This is a HeadGum Podcast. What's up, shitheads? Welcome back to another episode of High and Mighty. It's me, your boy, standing six foot two, 288 pounds, from the south shore of Nassau County, Long Island, it's the number one fuck Johnny G, I live my life one quarter mile at a time. Also joining me in the High Mighty Studios, my nearly silent co-host, Arthur Gabris. Arthur, give him a shout out. You had me. You never had me. But I have, returning to the High Mighty Studios, he's my family, La Familia himself, from the Blank Check Podcast and Amazon's Attack, it's Grivy Newman. I have to say, John. We were talking just a moment ago before we started recording about how I've been recovering from some health shit and my energy <laughs> is completely depleted. That really did the trick. That that opening. I've never heard you ramp up that hard that fast. I it was it was no, a five second intro. That's what it was. No, not even no, a ten second intro. You owed me a five second intro. No disparagement to my other guests, but the excitement level is because oh. of the the. I want to get through the intro to talk about yeah. the fucking movie. Fast Nine, holy shit! If you're just tuning into this episode randomly, Griffin has been on High and Mighty multiple times talking Three. This Fast is the and the fourth Furious. Fast and Furious episode. I believe. Yes, the fourth, right? yeah. the fourth Fast and Furious episode. Yeah. We've done the whole Familia, uh, then we've done Hobbs and Shaw, then something else in there, eight, and then eight. We eight. did we did an episode up until seven, then eight Hobbs and Shaw, and then this. But we yeah. should also mention uh, I you did live too in LA. Fast. Yeah. You did too fast. You did too fast. Yes, on Blank Check, my podcast. But um, uh, you live in LA. I live in New York. Uh, previously, in pre-COVID times, we were purists about this medium yeah. and said like, well, new Fast and Furious movie comes out. We have to wait until one of us is in the other person's city to do the episode. <laughs> right? But like, I, I think one additional time I came to LA, one time you came to New York. This time, we're just like, let's get it fucking out within a week. Yeah. Well, the COVID times is like, I don't know when I'm going to be in New York. You don't know when you're going to be in L.A. Let's fucking get it. I just saw it Friday night. Yep. It's we're yep. now recording this. The wet. Uh, this episode comes out tomorrow. Recording yep. it Wednesday. That's the other thing. You were like, I've recorded the next two months of episodes. I'm pushing this one out in 24 hours. <laughs> I, I I tried to take the summer off and then yep. totally was like, oh, Fast 9. I should do an episode. Fast, so I just bumped nine, nine weeks of episodes out <laughs> yeah. to turn Griffey you- Newman around in 24 hours. As you should. And then, okay, so last night you texted me as we were sort of like confirming shit and said, fuck, should I go see it a second time? And I said to you, I have now seen it twice. I think the movie is very dense. I value the fact that I've seen it twice before I'm talking about it on mic because I think there's a lot to get into there. Did you see it a second time? Have you only seen it once? I am. I could not go a second time to- last no, night. Totally fine. I was no, just no, curious. No, no, not for I me. I was just curious. Yeah. I'm not. It's, I don't think it's totally fine because the I Friday night. Yeah. I was on a fucking theme park ride the whole time. You know what I mean? Right. I yes. needed I needed to get back in line and do yeah. it again and pay attention yes. to some more details. Because I was yeah. literally, my wife can attest this, she went with me and friend of both of our shows, Braylock. I was sitting with him and the his wife Braylock. as well. Yeah. Uh, you went to the whole, that, I mean, the crazy screening that uh, Demi and Kevin Porter and everyone organized, yes. right? Yeah, amazing, so, amazing family of people there. Amazing family of people. Addie yeah. uh, was dressed as a Corona bottle. Everyone else that. was in tank tops. Unbelievable work. <laughs> but the true yeah. highlight of this experience was the movie fucking froze like 
nine minutes in. Yes, yes. And they were like, uh, we're going to jump back a couple of minutes once we get it fixed. And then everyone starts chanting, from the beginning, from the beginning. Yeah. Because AMC didn't do 20 minutes of shit before. So a lot of people got there during Toretto's dad's race. Oh, gotcha. Because okay. everyone assumed, oh, we have 35 minutes to get in our seats. And then the movie was just... so. The the movie starts over. Now we're in a Rocky Horror Picture screening for eight minutes, and it's wow. a blast. I don't like call-out movie situations, but if yeah. it's something you just watched yes. and we still have two hours and uh, two and a half hours after, I'll yeah. allow it. And Absolutely. people were just like call and response with Vin and his kid. Uh, it was yeah. so awesome. I mean, I'll, I'll say this. Um, we're doing an episode uh, on Blank Check. I think it'll be on our Patreon feed about we rented out a screen at the draft house in New York and invited like a lot of our uh, past guests and friends and people who work on the show and all of that. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll do, there'll be an episode coming about that. I think next month. Um, cause it's going to be a little bit more of a complicated edit cause it's got multiple sources and shit, <laughs> but we got ambitious with it. But, um, so I, I've been, not to delve into all this, but I hinted at this already. I, I spent the last several months struggling to get my gallbladder removed, right? <laughs> Which was just the source of like unbearable pain for me. And, and I was stuck in sort of like the medical bureaucracy hamster wheel. And then once I finally got the appointment, then they suddenly had concerns that I had other health issues that would have put the surgery at risk. Then my surgery got unscheduled. So I've spent like the last like three months four months really kind of white knuckling it right and uh like struggling and and at a time where it's like the world is reopening i'm finally vaccinated i want to get back into doing shit and uh i couldn't right like i was like once again sort of benched in a in a different way the monday before i'm supposed to get the surgery the first time before it's canceled uh our, our buddy from the podcast a, a great film critic david ehrlich oh uh, king of the his edit every year is a highlight for me. Wonderful. His best, his 25 top movies or whatever he does that montage yeah. edit. I fucking love it. So he texts me and says, I have a screening pass for F9 tomorrow. Do you want to come with me? And I went, yeah. you officially become the greatest friend I've ever known. <laughs> they screened it super early because it was getting released so much earlier in Asia. So they like sh started showing it to critics like two months before it came out here because they knew the embargo was going to break and uh, spoilers would come out, whatever. So I saw it like two months ago, right? But I saw it in a screening with literally less than 10 people total. Like it, it was, was still so it was still so early in movies being opened here. Well, I just remember, we went to see it at the Lincoln Square uh, AMC on 68th and Broadway. And I, I walk in there. He, he told me, he was like, I think it's not going to be a very big screening. I go in there. It's in one of the smaller screens. And there's just like no one in there. Like it's like him and I and then maybe eight other critics. Like no one else has brought anybody. No other critics are there. And he was like, yeah, they're screening Quiet Place Part 2 next door. Like more of the critics are in there. And most of them saw the movie a year ago when it was supposed to come out, but now are rushing to see it again because they don't remember it. And that review, like that movie comes out in 10 days or whatever, yeah. right? Unsurprising, so that, Quiet Place 2 doesn't stick with you for one full year. <laughs> right. It's fine. It's, look, it's an enjoyable movie. But yes. I enjoyed it. It was my first movie back. I kind of yeah. wish I saved... Uh, my virginity for Fast 9 because the experience was markedly better. Sure. But Quiet Place 2 coming in with the juice of just 
love of movies. Yes. Uh, despite my sort of meh feelings towards Krasinski, I thought yes. the opening of that movie, the baseball shit, was so rules. fucking fun. Yeah. It was like Spielberg esque. Yeah. And then I don't care for the movie. rest of the, the rules and all that. And the, sure. And everyone talking about the dead director as a legend and a hero. Like, <laughs> your father was a goddamn main. He was the best human being alive. And he's it, just directing and writing this is such a funny layer. <laughs> it is kind of incredible how much of that movie is characters saying, like, I'm not your father. I'll never be as great as your father. <laughs> and then, like, saying to the daughter, like, you're good. You might be the next your father. <laughs> we only have this one person as uh, someone right. to aspire he's the to benchmark. be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Michael Jordan of humans. But, uh, but yes, like, right. Pleasant. So you go into movie. the screening. Yeah. I go into the screening and I have a great fucking time watching this movie, but I watch it with zero crowd response. Right. Oh. And this so movie like, is a little bit of a fucking roller coaster. It's like, a it is <laughs> absolutely. Abs that's why I'm bringing this up. So I've seen it twice, but like the first time I was really just kind of digesting it as a text. I was not getting an experiential viewing of it, you know? Yeah. I've seen the movie twice, but only one time I saw it properly. Yeah. I see. I needed the flip. I needed that one right. screening. You uh, need the sober I had the experiential screening. one, and I needed the one yes. where I'm like on half the amount of edibles, and I'm like yeah. able to really unpack what's going on. I mean, I don't Maybe I needed that. Sure. <laughs> well, no, but, but here's the flip of that. Like the first time I'm just sitting there, and I've been holding on to this movie for a year, and in so many ways, and I have to imagine this was a similar thing for you, like this movie has been the carrot at the end of the stick throughout the entire pandemic. For sure. For, not, not just I want to see this movie, but also like I trust that they are saving this for theaters. Not only that, they are saving it until theaters should actually be showing movies again. Right. I said that to my, I said that to my wife. I'm like, this will be the, I'm promising you now I will not yeah. watch Fast 9 on HBO Max. I will right. not. I, right, I was like, I mean, hey, maybe I, in I, two years, but not right now. Right, yeah. right, right. But I was like, <laughs> I refused to watch it the first time that way. A friend asked me, he was like, the movie's done. What if they sent you a link? And I was like, wouldn't open it, wouldn't watch it. He was like, seriously? No. I was like, at this point, it's symbolic. It's like, if I never get to see Fast 9 in theaters, then the world is never recovering. Right, right? it was my, it was, you're it right. It was like, like sort like of my yeah. marker of like, this means the pandemic's over for me and right. society. <laughs> right, and like Tenet had like the Nolan shit, like him pushing it prematurely and whatever. But it was so clear that like, Universal wasn't the studio that was rushing to like put stuff on a streaming service, right? Like Trolls World Tour on iTunes aside, they sort of like made their deals with the theater chains early. They figured everything out and they were very clear that they were like, this is a theatrical movie. We're not doing anything fucking else with this. And we're also not releasing this in theaters until it is safe enough and theaters are healthy enough yeah. that this can actually make an equivalent amount of money to what it would have done before the pandemic. So I was like, great. That's the moment I know things are like getting back to normal as it were, right? Is when that yeah. movie comes out and even just the fucking Vin, like it's been a long time, but the movies are back trailer. It's just like, you're like, yes, that's like, I wish like fucking Biden was giving speeches. Like yes. This, right. <laughs> like it just, it, this thing has been like, it, it's been the, the light at the end of like the ocean that I've just been steering towards. And I this think entire it's for, fucking time for way, for way more people than we think too, including people, people who, who are not as fanatical about this. Yeah. Yes. Agreed. I think, I think just there's just something iconic about yes. this blockbuster that's sort of maybe the most diverse casting of TV uh, of a movie yeah. in yeah. our lifetimes just like jammed in 
and it's like it's coming, it's big, it's American, yeah. it's global, it's like yeah. everyone comes together, family. It feels like the movie symbolizes the end. And it's yes. like, yeah. of course, for me and you guys who like we've been living the Fast and Furious lifestyle for decades now, this still well, felt decades, like decades, but also let's be honest, only one quarter mile at a time yeah I mean, yeah it's I mean, gradually <laughs> working towards a decade yeah 400 meters and then reset of course yeah, over right, and over right, and over again right but this fucking movie seemed to mean a lot to a lot yes. more people yeah and I'll, yeah. I'll throw a couple other things on there one i think some people finally and this is just maybe an organic thing that would have happened the people who were the most cynical at holding out on this franchise i think finally kind of fucking broke down and went like we're nine in people vouch for these this hard even the fact that people were more critical of Hobbs and Shaw and eight I think made some of the the holdouts go like okay there does seem to be some discernment here yeah the fans have these some sort of brainless taste. movies yeah yeah right there's something going on here I also think it the amount of people I know who just binged all of them in the last month dude I was gonna say the same thing I feel like part of the energy of nine was a lot of people going, I've never even watched these things. It's the yeah. tail end of the pandemic. Maybe I'll watch one through eight. Like, because I've heard these movies, seeing them at a theater is like a fucking rock concert. And do I want to be left out of that? That feels like a fun thing to do. Right? Exactly. And, and it's, it's a ways away. It's in June. We got time. Right. We can wait right. for it. Yeah. But, but I know people who did that binge last March, and I know people who did that binge a week ago, right? Like yeah. J.D. Amato, our good friend, the fucking genius. Jupin uh, in, did it. Like, I know a shit yes. ton of people, like the We Hate Movies but, like, guys, like they, they were powering through them. Yeah, a lot of podcasts I, were covering, like, let's fuck it. Let's cover the franchise leading up to nine. I, saw, I, I, inv I invited JD to uh, the, the screening we were doing on the Friday before the Friday the screening was happening. And he went, cool, I'll watch one a day. And he just watched one a day until he had done it. You know, I think Addie similarly did a similar thing because she was messaging me while she was watching them all for the first time because she was like on a commercial shoot in Mexico, you know, like by herself <laughs> in a hotel room. And she was just like, well, I land back in the States on like Thursday night. I should have just seen all of these movies by that point. I mean, I um, watched one through eight le more or less yeah. leading up to it. And I've yeah. seen them all countless times. Right. I just felt I wanted to soak it in again. But I think there was that build. And I think it was that like, this is the, this is a, a movie that really is experiential, you know, where it, to be able to see this with, strangers or friends or a mix of both means something yeah you know totally um, as much as like quiet place part two a film that i think if you're gonna watch it you should absolutely see in a theater because it's best with that level of immersion and whatever it's it's not the same thing as this and and yes it just felt like they're gonna wait you know it was like the first movie pushed back i feel like by the pandemic i think it was that and bond were right next to each other Right, but, right. But the difference is that fast, it was like the moment they announced it, they said, we're pushing back to May 2021. Like, because Bond even was like, oh, there's a pandemic. We're pushing back six months. Fast and Furious was just like, see you in a year, which yeah. was the moment where I went, this is bad. Like, things are bad. Things are going to be really bad. But it also meant like 
they're showing the correct amount of caution here. Correct right? amount of caution and also a little bit of fucking calling their shot of like, right. sorry, this is a summer blockbuster. Right. And if it's not this summer, it's next summer. If it ain't that summer, it's 2022, bitch. Like, we're, like, we're, going, but also, we're going we're going for not, yards. We're not going to be goddamn Mulan and every two weeks go like, sorry, we're being pushed back another two weeks until right. eight months later you go like, never mind, it's on a streaming service, but you have to pay more. Yeah, exactly, Right? Like, they were exactly. very kind of clear in their messaging and what they were doing. They pushed back one time big from, and just from like April 2021 to, to May 2021 and then in February as vaccinations were starting to get out there then they were like this is the final pushback it's June 25th that's it it's official the movies are back and that's cr like that's just the power of Universal the size of yeah. this movie that a they can confidently go we'll we'll wait a year we, we, yeah. we we're making 10 already like we right. know we got to make 10 so we'll yeah. just wait a year for nine and then also the confidence in Universal of like this this movie is gonna fucking work like it's, it's just <laughs> yeah and people and, are gonna need it like people are going to be needing this on the other end don't like be patient think big picture we need to know what young dom looks like <laughs> cool. yeah so that so this is all to say the first time i'm watching it i'm just kind of trying to reconcile my emotions in a lot of ways of like i've been waiting a year for this i'm not getting experientially what i've been waiting for but i'm just getting to at least see this movie on a screen with a proper immersion but i'm also just kind of like a lot of that screening is me just ruling out my fears right because needless to say if this movie had been bad i would have lost my fucking mind arguably i've never put more on a movie being good i was not like if this landed like eight for me i yes. i was gonna i was gonna be a little distraught that's what i was, I gonna, I was yeah, like yeah. it's it's gonna be a little bit of a problem for me if this is eight <laughs> it, it it really is because i've just put an unfair amount on this movie but how could i not at this point right it's more than a movie as we're saying it's representing all this other shit and not to mention it's also at this point representing the future of theaters like this is the movie that everyone was leaning forward in their chair and going like if this hits then the movies are back at right. least they're yeah, still in the ring. And if not, it's fucking done. I didn't even and consider that like the meta of the business yes. of it all. Yes. Like T this totally. is indicative of like, okay, cool. We can make blockbusters. Granted, a franchise blockbuster, but at least not comic book. You know what I mean? Right. Or Star I, Wars. I, I mean, it least. is this is at least as as absurd as it is to offer this distinction at this point, this is at least an original franchise rather than a franchise based, <laughs> based on, on existing IP. Yeah. IP. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, this is IP at this point, but like a fuck anyone who calls it IP in earnest and B it's not. Cause it's like this franchise fucking built itself from the dirt. It's like an underdog Twice. story, right? We've like, we're invested in this because this shouldn't have been a franchise and all of that. But it's arguably, um, it's arguably too, mini franchises yes. and and five locks into a newer style that matches the times more and right. like like vin has been very good at and i keep giving vin credit because he puts his name on five comes back hard for yeah. five yeah and he does a lot of fucking behind the scenes machinations that make it and i you give him credit because he's like we're just gonna make it bigger that's the answer is make the movies bigger i mean but, and but also keep it small about family that's and the fucking thing i mean look like like ehrlich liked the movie a lot less than i did right uh <laughs> yeah, give it <laughs> not his ballywick right but i i thought he put it so perfectly and he was saying this almost as like this franchise is so weird and i was like yes you just summed up exactly what i love about this franchise is he said this movie's so bizarre 
because it's like the ninth one and it is at the same time unquestionably the most overblown, the most absurd, the most ridiculous. They go to fucking space, which has been like the thing the whole time, right? The gimmick, for years. Like the bit, like the talking but for about years, it. The you'd bit be like, is when they, they have to, it's inevitable. And, and they go all... to space in a way that you, they go to space like the fucking movie, The Explorers. Not, yeah. you think that when they go to space, yeah. oh, they'll be in like spacesuits, fist no. fighting inside like a spaceship. They do it nope. perfectly. No, but like great judgment. That's exactly what they should have done. If they went like full fucking like the, Martian on this, I think it would have broken the franchise, which is always they bring a Pontiac into the atmosphere. That's a whole other story. Yeah. I mean, my friend who doesn't see these movies was texting me like questions because he was just like, I'm just trying to get like a mental image in my head. (laughs) Fair. (laughs) Does does the car still have wheels? Is it like a spaceship? And I'm like, no, it's very much a car. Yeah. (laughs) It doesn't have wheels. It does have a rocket. So it has thrust. It is uh, steer via the steering right, wheel right right and and nos um oh right like, and using nos right but but he was like it's you know Ehrlich was saying like simultaneously the most absurd in that sense but also the most granular like vin is like if we're gonna go to space we also have to spend 30 minutes of screen time going back to two days in young dominic toretto's life yeah you know right and that's and that is that is the magic of Dom, because yes. both of those of the magic of Vin, the both of those sound awful on paper. Yeah, <laughs> like uh, it right. sounds insane. And then you're like, "What are you doing?" And I want to put them both in the same movie. And by yeah. the way, those are two of forty-one set pieces. And you're like, yes. "Wait, what?" <laughs> okay, so I want to dig into this just in the game, but I the stat that I only just realized as a box office nerd, uh, because it, you know, like other movies that have been doing well uh, in the pandemic. Um, all had weird hybrid releases in some way, right? Mm -hmm. Like Tenet was the one that didn't and really underperformed and was in theaters for fucking five months, made far less than any Christopher Nolan movie should, and more people have definitely watched it on HBO Max. And then since then, the things have been successful have been like Kong versus Godzilla and what have you, where it's like on HBO Max the same day. Um, uh, Quiet Place had a good opening, is is doing well. It was the first new movie to make $100 million across that line. But also, like, that's part of this deal where everything's going on Paramount Plus after 45 days. How well people know that, how well that's been communicated, I don't know. F9 is, like, complete old-school theatrical release. Here's the movie. It's only in theaters. When can you see it at home? I don't know, when we feel like it. Yeah, as soon as it's done making money here, we'll, right. you'll you'll hear about a DVD release date. Yeah. Right, right. And then it'll just be available like in the ways you can watch movies before. We're not putting this thing on your fucking lap, right? Yeah, it'll um, be VOD and Blu-ray, yeah. whatever you want, yeah. It had the biggest opening weekend since Rise of Skywalker. So That's... not only is it the biggest thing since the pandemic, but like plus the three months before that. I was just going to say plus a little bit of time, yeah. Right, plus Sonic the Hedgehog, plus Bad Boys 3, like other movies that were widely, wildly successful. It, you know, it was a big opening. Um, but, you know, when I saw it and I uh, texted you, like no spoilers, but just a couple of things I wanted you to know. One of the first things I said to you, I can't remember which, because I had the text there with you and David, because we were like, we did our Too Fast episode the day after. We were you originally supposed it. to record that night, and I said, guys, we have to reschedule because I got invited to see F9 <laughs> tomorrow. David and I, more understanding than yeah. almost. I was like, you yeah. got it, please. And I was like, I need this, guys. Um, but I, I can't remember which thing I said to just David, which ones I said to both of you in the text or whatever. But the two things I said were like, first of all, David, incredible 
universal logo modification. Because yep. we're dorks for any time you change the logo. Same and, at Action Boys. We talk about that all the time. Some of them are the, so bad, but oh, yeah. still so fun. Water and then World the second thing I said to you, <laughs> I said, Gabrus, there's a casting in this that is going to make you so fucking happy in terms of the referentiality of why they're using that actor in that position. And I bring <laughs> these two things up because the fucking open of this movie of just classic early 90s universal logo, right? Going with the grain. You immediately go, what? Why? What are they doing here? And then the movie starts and you go like, oh, shit. Justin Lin is trying to mirror the look of the first Fast and Furious movie. Yep. He is shooting like low film stock, anamorphic, right? Like grainy, textured, and you're on the fucking raceway and you realize you're watching Papa Toretto doing the rounds, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then one of the first actors you see in this movie, because he's wearing the helmet. We've talked a lot about Papa Toretto casting in the past. They end up casting, you know, a guy, an actor. Yeah. But there was that moment where I was like, is this going to be, is, it, is the helmet going to come off and is it going to be fucking like whoever? It's going to be, the, I, I truly thought it was going to be Vin Diesel in like some sort of like makeup I thought that or was something. Very possible. <laughs> yeah. But then like the first face you recognize in this movie is Michael Rooker playing a fucking pit crew member, which must have just made you so goddamn happy. <laughs> I was so pumped to see Rooker. Wait, but well, also to go like you're doing like Days of Thunder. Here. Yes, you're like well, putting him back in this milieu, rubbing his racing. Yeah, I right, right. Fucking, it, it's so, it's so fun because that just. I've got goosebumps talking about it right now because yes. it yes, it just feels like they know. We, people love movies like yes if you yes. like fast nine you love movies maybe you'll get this little reference i mean bill simmons is in that scene too allegedly <laughs> okay right I, and i'll ignore that but yeah. <laughs> but like but but here's what i like about it it also is it's a pattern that they've had for a long time with these movies which is um you know when you're adding a new cast member there's a premium on someone who has their own history with cars in movies right yes Right, like Statham was exciting and was fan demanded for he's so the long because because he's the transporter, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. It's like you work these people in. You're like, oh fuck, yes, in a car movie, in a car movie, right? Like even like Kurt Russell, you're like he's stuntman Mike. Like these people yeah. have some kind of not only car experience but like genre overlap kind of shit that there's just a canniness to. And the movie never calls it out. They don't give him any winking lines. Yeah, right? he's not wearing a mellow yellow leather jacket or something right. like that. Yeah. Right, but it's just kind of like, well, in that same kind of like analog parallel casting, if we're going to set this around like a fucking speedway, then you should get a guy who's been a good fucking character actor in a speedway movie before. <laughs> so like that immediately, I'm just sort of like, this is not how I was expecting the movie to start. This is a very different vibe. I don't know where they're going with this. Um... A couple years ago, my friend, I think through like three degree connections of like he had a friend who was an intern at Universal who heard from an exec developing the script, whatever, fed me like some details that I had told you as well, where I was like, I hear there's a lot of like young Dom flashback stuff. It's all about bringing in a brother that we didn't know about before and they're doing the space thing. Yeah. And and those were the three things I knew as of like two, three years ago. But I wasn't very clear on the specifics of how those things were going to be done or or to what end. 
Yeah. Didn't know it was going to be a satellite uh, last minute rescue from right. Tej and Roman. Yeah. Right. And likewise, I just sort of imagined like, oh, they're retconning in this brother. There's going to be one sequence where they explain where the brother was. Um, I, I, I the one thing I think I knew because I had a different friend who auditioned for Kenny Linder, the scumbag racer. Oh, okay. This. The dude so from he, True the guy from True Blood plays. Yeah. Right. So he sent me those sides and I read those and I was like, oh fuck, they're doing Kenny Linder. All the names had been changed and the specifics had been changed to try to keep it top secret. I read it and I was like, this is Kenny Linder, this is the race, this is the ranch scene. Like I immediately was able to identify exactly what it was within the mythology. So that's all I knew. And I was like, I imagine there's one scene where they're just gonna do the flashback to the ranch incident, you know? Yeah. Or to the dad dying or set up the brother or whatever it was. Um, the other thing I had heard was that like, oh, the brother thing is going to be sort of revealing him to be the architect of all of this, which made me very dubious because you're like, worst case scenario, that's the fucking like specter move that I think sucks where like Christoph Waltz shows up and he is just like, actually, I've been your brother the entire time. Also, the last three John James Bond movies didn't really matter. They were all just kind of dummy tests that I put you through. Yeah, I that move. And then the, there's also the cliche Mission Impossible move where it's like the people you were working for are actually bad. You right. have been retroactively ghost right. protocol or whatever. It, those are such standard like sixth movie, fran sixth right. movie in the franchise moves. Yeah. So I have a lot of trust in the franchise, but also like eight was a knock. Hobbs and Shaw was a knock. Yeah. These three ideas on paper all sound a little bit dodgy. Like, how does this pull off? The fact that you get this opening sequence and it is just in isolation, the cold open of the worst moment of Dominic Toretto's entire <laughs> life. And then they cut away. I'm immediately left with like, oh, they're going to like Godfather part two this. Like they're going to keep going back and forth between the timelines, which already shows a kind of dramatic ambition that I feel like these movies don't usually have. You know, well, I think it's the sort of like, Vin has this energy where he's like the football player who joined the drama club. Yes. yes. And he's like the 11th best actor uh -huh. uh, in the cast, but there's something special about him. And he's yes. just like movie. We're making movie. Like we're making a show and everyone kind of gets yeah. like around him. Like this is kind of weirdly inspiring having this. Like, yes. And so he makes these like arty choices that he, only Weird, someone who's cocky as fuck. Yes. Uh, yeah. And right. someone who's so confident in their showing their soft, quote unquote, soft side. Yes. yes. And he's just got that, like f what he thinks is an artistic bone in his body. So yeah. this movie features a sort of abstract uh, life Ugh. flashing before Dom yes. Toretto's eyes moment where, where he walks through his past. Like he physically looks over walks his shoulder from at the room past. to room at different yes. moments of his life. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and it's, in Fast Nine in the same it's, movie it's, that features a Jeep, a Jeep drive vertical on a rope bridge. Right, Th those like, two things are in the same fucking movie, and that's the magic and the power in my book. That's that sequence is like five minutes long, is nearly wordless. I mean, he says nothing. It's <laughs> mostly just him quietly walking into rooms and reliving his trauma. Like it's fucking so true. incredible so true. shit. But like, yes, that first moment when you cut away from him screaming, the car on fire back to just like, you know, him at the at the getaway house. I, I sort of went like, okay, I like where this is going. I like the way they're setting this up 
right? Yeah. I like that we're having a bifurcated narrative here and that clearly there's unfinished business there that we're going to go to. You're not just dropping in one scene to retcon a detail. Yeah. And then then you're in the house, right? Now, the, the familia, right? Here he is. The he's moment you're waiting for in, in this Brian. movie the first time and yeah. the last time it happens in every fast movie are just too great. You're like, right, everybody's back. And then it's like, yeah. no, but, and then at the end it's like, we did it, fam. Like, those are we always my favorite moments. Yeah. It is kind of wild how many of these movies end with the exact same final set piece, which is sit around a picnic table in a backyard. In the same backyard. Yes. Yes. <laughs> which yes. is so the one that well, was look, completely blown up one movie. <laughs> it's another thing that like fate fucked up is that that the end scene is on a fucking like rooftop of a penthouse apartment in New York yeah. instead. Too for cool. no clear reason. And they're not no. drinking Corona. Makes no sense. It's got to be a barbecue. It's got to right. have Santos arguing about cooking. <laughs> oh, I love. So I rewatched uh, uh, for a podcast like it's 1999, a great podcast. Uh, uh, Philip Iscove and Kenny Nybart. They're doing a series on 2009. So I rewatched Ampersand for that yesterday and uh, rewatched Los Bandoleros as well. And I believe <laughs> I can't find my source for this, but I swear to God, I read this at some point. The other guy just was like, kind of like, I don't like acting. I don't want to be in these movies anymore. Like, it remains so frustrating that they're not still part of the team and everything. Yeah. But then Santos will come in and do like one scene at the end and be like, I still love you guys. And they'll be like, where's Don Omar? And he's like, ah, I don't know. He's doing some shit. He sucks at cooking. Like, it's always like, we got the same right. gimmick. Don't worry about it. Right. And they had yeah. their one brief fucking moment in Fate where they sort of like literally have a shot where you reveal like, oh, they were the guys under the masks or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, I still want them to full-fledged be back on the team. Despite that, I kind of respect that the other guy was like, I don't know. I This is what not I like he's anti the movie, but he's like, both of them are touring musicians, right? right. And he's like, I don't know, I'm tired. I don't want to be on set doing a movie. Aren't you lucky that you get to listen to me record ads and you have no idea what I'm wearing? Hint, hint, it's just a pair of trunk boxer briefs from you guessed it mac weldon baby Ooh yeah mackie weldini is back sponsoring the pod so pumped to have them uh you know we're coming into summer but i'm still rocking my uh mac weldon ace sweatpants so comfortable uh i got a full drawer of underwear i cannot and and socks the no seam socks, the little ankle socks, they're great for wearing with my loafers in the summer. For when I'm not rocking flip-flops, you know I got some Mac Weldon socks on. Uh, they got everything, socks, shirts, hoodies, underwear, polos, active shorts. Mac Weldon promises a comfort and consistent fit. And here's the thing. They have Weldon Blue, which is a totally free loyalty program. Level one gets you free shipping for life. And once you reach level two by spending $200, you get 20% off every order for the next year. I recommend getting involved with some Mac Weldon. They want you to be comfortable. If you don't like your first pair, you can keep them and they'll still refund you. No questions asked. So get 20% off your first order by going to MacWeldon.com slash high and enter promo code high, H-I-G-H. That's MacWeldon.com slash high, promo code high for 20% off. M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com slash H-I-G-H. MacWeldon, reinventing men's basics. 
Gabrus here. Want to talk to you about a podcast I enjoy. It's called Green Eggs and Dan, a great podcast from the multi-talented Dan Adute. He's an actor, writer, restaurateur, and comedian. You might <laughs> that's how I know him, but he's also all those other things, it turns out. You might recognize uh, him from Netflix's Cobra Kai. I do. Kevin James is the crew. Haven't checked it out yet. On each episode of his podcast, Dan quizzes a famous guest about a very personal topic, their fridge. This season, he's got guests like legendary chef Jacques Pepin, modern family star Jesse Tyler Ferguson, Food Lab author J. Kenji Lopez-Alt, and Emmy-winning actor Henry Winkler will show Dan what is in their fridges. Uh, slightly less famous guest, I believe, is myself. I think I also recorded an episode for this season. Maybe he's not using it. Maybe he is. Only one way to find out. Check out Green Eggs and Dan. The conversation starts with food. Where does it end, though? You'll just have to tune in to find out. Subscribe, listen, open the podcast app you're listening to this on right now and search Green Eggs and Dan, give them a uh, subscribe, and give them a listen to their pod. Listen to Dan, Green Eggs and Dan. It's fun. Talking fridges, food, all the good stuff. I just love the fact that like all these people are still around and like yes. whether we actually care or not the care the movie gives all these characters like we get every former gearhead every former well, Tej also, is in this you, movie you get a fucking origin story for the two of them that yeah. Dom met them in jail from the wrench incident which like finally like connects a dot that has been unconnected since Los Bandoleros where you're like, well, they're the reason he drove, drove to uh, the DR right. after Brian gave him the getaway car. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but we never understood why the DR was where he went. And it's because he had connections there from his boys in right. prison. This movie, right. we get to see young Santos. And then we got to talk about, we get full blown tiny tunes, uh, Toretto crew here. We get, yeah, we get young Vince, young, yeah. like when they, Mia, uh, young Vince, Letty, young Mia, yeah. young Letty. And it's yeah. so fucking funny. It's so it's funny. So <laughs> but, but let's talk about this. Like, here's another thing talking about like the weird dance of Vin Diesel, right? Like everything about Vin Diesel exists in a contradiction, right? You're like, yes, he's, is he the theater kid who joined the football team late or is he the jock who joined the theater club late, right? Like which one is his true allegiance? On one hand, of course, these movies are like a fucking like, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a mecca, like a, a shrine to his awesomeness, right? right like right. just a fucking like prayer to his ego and like uh, elevates him to just mythological uh, heights and all of that. I mean, as you said, I do think he's self-aware that he is like, I do what I do well. I have to let other actors score. I'm not the funniest person in this team. I'm not like the this. I'm not the that. You know, I'm the everything and I can exist as the patriarch. But like, let other people get to fucking do shit. Let Ramsey have her own fucking set piece. Like, all this shit, right? This let, movie gives everybody a set piece. Like, even like... You let Tej and Roman go to space. Like, the fact that he's not like, no, anything cool has to be done by Dom. Yeah, and I think bouncing Hobbs from the movies lets Dom settle in even more to yes. like, I'm just the stalwart yes. tough guy. 
Right. Like, I, hey, look, I'm I'm willing to do the di- most dangerous part yes. of the mission. I'm willing to protect my fam, no ma- my familia, no matter what. Yes. And I also am like somehow insanely strong and skilled right. in hand to hand combat. Eliminating Hobbs, it, it's and, reset the balance perfectly. And it's it, like and, right. and exactly, and it's like Hobbs was such a fun infusion of the rocks yes. energy, right? And a good uh, foil. But a well, second, that's the thing. Five, five, he's foil, right? Six, they amp him up, and you're like, this is teetering on the edge, right? right. And it, it, and it's a little too much. Like they're they're stepping on each other's fucking yes. meals a little. They're eating each and, other's and lunches ste- a little and bit. Step yeah. on each other's dicks. Let's say uh, seven because he's shooting. Brett Ratner's Hercules, a movie that I swear to God exists. Every time I say this to people, they go, no, that what? I've no. seen it and I right. actually kind of like it. It does a weird thing where it retcons all Hercules trials to being him and his buddies scamming them. That's so insane. It's so uh, insane. They're like, yeah, pretend like the Hydra. We cut all the heads. Off. Like it's revealed that he's got like a, a heist crew that does these huge missions with. I it's just, such like, a weird fucking retcon. And, and I guess, you know, when shit is just like uh, not fair use, what's it called when it's just like in the culture? Public can, domain. Public yeah. domain. Yeah. They're just like riffing on like, all right, what if he's a piece of shit? Let's try right. it. <laughs> well, it's also just like the last couple of weeks, so many people have been watching or rewatching these movies, as we said. Right. And I have a lot of friends who like come to me as an expert and ask me the questions of things they're bumping up against or whatever. And the amount of times someone said to me, like, why is The Rock not in Furious 7 that much? Because he is, he gets injured early, right? He's got the one opening uh, fight sequence with Shaw. Yeah. He's in the hospital for most of the movie. And then he, daddy's got to go to work, breaks the cast, goes in the ambulance. It's awesome. Gets, the, the, dr- the, gets the drone chain gun and uses right. it Yeah, on the and helicopter. The answer, the answer is he was shooting Hercules at the same time. He prioritized Hercules and so had to shoot around him. So they only were able to like build like two set pieces around him, which I think is honestly probably the exact perfect amount to have him in any of these movies. Yeah. Um, but the I, I, times- would, I would go as far to say it's the exact amount of time to have the rock in any movie. To be yeah. honest, I'm a yes. dose. At this I'm point, a dose guy with him. At this he, point, absolutely, a little goes a long way. Um, but the amount of times people have said, "Why is he not in it that much?" and I said, "Because he was shooting Brett Ratner's Hercules," and they went, "No, what's the actual answer?" No one accepts at face value that that movie happened. <laughs> right, right. Um, but but anyway, yes. And then eight is like obviously the whole thing is fucking thrown off. The movie is built around the fact that the two of them don't want to be in the same scene anymore. They're fighting for screen time. We talked about this in our episode, but like the fundamental mistake of that movie is it breaks doesn't make off. It breaks Dom off. But I think worse than that is that. Hobbs is the one leading the team, which is incorrect, right? Right. If you're making a movie in which Dom is broken off and everyone's questioning whether or not they've lost Dom or whether or not he's still, you know, able to be saved, that has to be Letty's story. And Letty is like fifth on the bench in that movie. She's got fucking nothing to do other than saying like, that's not Dom, trust me. And then yeah. Hobbs is like, and we kind of, and, and the bummer about that is we kind of did that with her in six. Yeah, right, exactly. So it only works. <laughs> That's not Letty, it, trust me. It's like, okay. Right, but it only works if she's like occupying the Dom role right. with equal importance. But, but anyway, 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 uh, talking about how much better Vin is at being generous, right, with his castmates and with the movie and knowing what he does well and what he doesn't. Another thing that right off the bat I'm fucking loving about this movie is. Just cast a really good young actor to play young Dom, right? We're not doing any fucking digital de-aging. Yes, We're not yes. doing any trickery, which, first of all, it's just like, 
what a relief. Like after years where we've been conditioned of like, I guess the technology is getting a little better. Like every time this happens in a movie, you go, I guess it's better now. Like it's less creepy. It's so much more comfortable to just watch an actor play a character and go, okay, I'll just pretend that's the same guy and I'll accept it. And I'm not being taken out of it by going like, why is his neck doing that weird thing? Yeah, I feel like you can have a young actor in a movie when, especially when it's 30, you know, 25 years later and it's been 25 years of prison and street fights and heists we, and we stuff. We did like a, a 110, 15 years of cinema where that was the language we all accepted. Yeah, it worked. It works fine. It fucking worked. And this guy's really good. And the other thing is, like I've heard people say like, well, it's like weird to hire a young actor who's so much better than Vin Diesel. Like this guy's really a good dramatic actor. Yeah. And what I say to that is rewatch the first Fast and Furious movie. Remember Vin Diesel's background. He was like a fucking New York, like off, off, off Broadway, black box theater actor. Right. Yeah. Who then became like a weird character actor and was doing shit like Saving Private Ryan and Boiler Room where he's like scoring really hard and then had this action star transformation. I think that's what he always wanted to do in his career. But you watch the first Fast and Furious movie and he's giving like a Sundance drama performance. He really yeah. is. And, and may, arguably maybe a little overwrought, but it fits in the fucking yes. genre of that first movie. Well, like he's being is, the car Bodhisattva. Yes. He's being Patrick right. Swayze of cars where it's like, right. and, but his philosophy is family rather than spirit or whatever. And, 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 it and that works. is, yes. And that is Vin Diesel's ultimate superpower as a movie star is he always knows exactly what movie he's in. And he knows the performance to give for that movie. I, I yeah. would say by and large, yeah. you know, certainly in his own projects, there's um, something about him not being afraid of the corny shit that yes. makes him sort of like, he never winks at anything he's doing and it's, he and, takes it so seriously and you're like, that's insane. But then when you watch fast nine, you're yes. like, well, I'm glad you took it seriously. So I didn't have right. to. Otherwise, yeah. otherwise you're watching, you're going like, well, who gives a shit? Like, I think exactly, that's the Hudson Shaw problem exactly. where yes. like the whole movie's winking at you. And you're like, if you don't care, then I don't care. At yeah. least like put a straight face on this fucking thing. And he understands his iconography so well. But at this point, as you said, he's become like this fucking Greek God, Right. And he's become like it's become a performance of like fucking poses. Right. And like catchphrases and all this sort of <laughs> shit. And I think he was very smart of being like, I need to find an actor who's like what I was 25 years ago and let that guy give the grounded, emotionally rooted, naturalistic performance because people have to remember that's what Dom was, right. right? Like, A, our first association with Dom, our meeting with him was in a movie where he had that vibe. And B, because this shit's gotten so absurd in the present tense, we need to doubly ground that stuff in the past. Now, so I love combine I this love with Do yes. with Vin Diesel's business acumen. Yes. And why wouldn't you put an absolute star as Young Dom? Right. Who cares if it steps on you? Because if that spins off with Young Dom, which has got to be yeah. a conversation somewhere, uh, Vin Diesel gets paid on that in perpetuity. Absolutely. So absolutely. you might as well have an absolute fucking banger. This Vinny Bennett is the kid's name. Right. I didn't know him before this. He fucking but he's fucking he's great. good. <laughs> he's great. Like everyone I know, random strangers I see on Twitter, people are like, I want to see more of that guy. Like yeah, everyone's like, this guy's fucking fuck too. hot and he's a good <laughs> yeah. actor. Put him in more movies. <laughs> yeah. And Vin is just going to do like fucking victory laps about this. Even if it doesn't become an Adventures of Young Toretto franchise, you know Vin is going to feel such pride over the fact that he launched that guy's career. Yep. When for that sure. a movie star for the next two decades, you know, right. 
because he 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 played an iconic uh, the young version of an iconic character. Like right. we're talking about like he's that's like getting to play Wolverine in a movie right. if you're playing young Toretto. It's like, and like <laughs> I think he looks the correct amount like Vin and not like Vin. I think he makes all the correct choices in terms of how much he is doing an impersonation, how much he's doing his own thing. Yeah. Like all of that just feels incredibly incredibly well judged. It's it fucking it's so simple but it means so much like watching it you're just like oh thank right. fucking god yeah right. just... and that's shit where i immediately go like right lynn's back in the driver's seat yes! like this and that's part of right? it too because you it just feels feel like... the comfort of like the compass is correct yeah and the melodrama of all the young person shit of the young yeah. dom shit is like oh this feels like home and then right. smash that up against uh, swinging a car like it's a fucking right, morning right, star. Which happens 15 minutes into the movie. Like, it's kind of incredible how quickly they get there. Because, right, it's like this opening, then at the house, you see Dom's family life, right? Like, he does seem happy and content, but there is that that weird loneliness there from the fact that Letty later explains, like, if she's not in the shit, she doesn't really feel like she's living, right? Yeah. But it's nice to watch their their family unit. It's nice to watch them as parents and all this sort of shit. This and movie has a, a little bit of, uh, a lot from Roman, but a little bit from everyone's sort of, like, light zhuzhing of justification as to be yes. like, this is why we're still involved in this shit, just so well, you know. I'm yeah. gonna get to that, because the Roman thing gets me choked up, actually, when they get there, and I think it's beautiful, but, um, the uh they, our friends show up in a fucking car right and then just go hey we're here here's the gobbledygook are you guys ready to start the plot and it's yeah. another lynn thing where i'm like the exact amount of explanation i want where they're just like here's a mysterious video our friend is missing there's a device it could be the worst weapon in the world do you want to go out and stop it or not and i'm like great none of this like fucking mission impossible theory rabbit foot shit where the whole movie is playing this game of like what is it right or, right None of this like over explaining shit, right? It's just sort yeah, of like, and no, it's and called no, the device. It's got two pieces and a code. If you put them together, the world ends. Let's right. stop that. For and now. the other cool thing they do is that there's no connecting this to other like, no. well, remember what happened at the end of eight? Well, because right. of that, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, nah, we'll get to it. Cypher will be in doesn't, this movie. Don't worry about it. We got yeah. It's like almost identical to the threat in, um, uh, fucking Hobbs and Shaw where it's like oh there's a virus but there are two parts and then this yeah. person's the whatever but you're just like yeah but it's so much less caught up in the chuffa of everything like yeah. they understand just like this is truly just a MacGuffin give us the the visual okay I get it it's an orb yeah the two pieces well, go click like a, this movie like lives in that video game logic yes. in the video game world where it's like Get the two components and the code, uh, and you've you've won. And it's like you found the first component. The other component is still to be found. Good luck, adventurer. Right? You no, know, it's just literally. But we that. also we've all seen the trailer. We know that fucking Dom's brother is behind this, and we know that Han's still alive. Right? Those are the emotional stakes of this movie that we're going to be really invested in, and they're life and death stakes. But it's like the device is means to an end. We're interested in that because Jacob Toretto's on the other side of that. Right. What does that mean for Dom? Let's let's talk about Han right now because since he just yep. came up, great like this the magic of this franchise mm -hmm. I think can just be mapped directly over Han. Yeah, like I just feel like watching Han where you're like he just gets the third movie. He's like a major character in the third movie yeah. when they go to like the anthology, like the, the Tokyo Drift. He's just in this movie. He's fantastic. Right. Sung Kang, great actor, so good. 
Then, he really has like, because I rewatched Ampersand yesterday. He has like two minutes of screen time. I mean, because he's in that opening heist, but you don't really see right, that he's right. in it that much. It's mostly after the heist when they're sort of clinking beers. And he says like, I think about going to Tokyo. He's yeah. got a, arguably a bigger role in Las Bandoleras, which for those who don't know, is the short film Vin directed that can now be seen on most copies of Ampersand. The fourth and it connects movie. three and four or four and five. Correct. Yeah. Connects three and four. Connects three and four. It's, yeah. It sort of fills in where Dom's been and connects three and four and all of that. Yeah. Uh, so, or no, he, I'm sorry. It doesn't connect three and four because three happens six movies later. Right. It sort of right, connects right. one and four. Yes. That makes yes. more sense. That makes more sense. But and then pins Han in the timeline. Yeah. So then, so then Han is in five and, ev- and, and everyone. Right. Is now he's a member of the team because four, they, they, you know, oh, he's part of the heist. It's a nice wink and a nod. The guy, the director got brought back for another movie. He threw his friend another cameo role, right? Yeah. Because people like that character. Oh, it ties together why Dom was at the end of Tokyo Drift. But very much that scene is meant to be, and now Han rides off into the sunset and dies. Right. And we know he inevitably dies. And it's like, fuck five, it. We'll they put- were like, fuck it. People want this guy. Yeah, and then they in five they put the we'll go to Tokyo later. Like eventually, yeah, he says eventually. we'll get there eventually, and that is so. And so then now they've retconned his death to happen right. later, and they're going right. to shoehorn in a few more movies, so he gets a few more movies. Right. So uh, end of six credit cookie is when you see that Deckard Shaw is the one who killed him, and then he gets killed properly. I guess like thirty minutes into seven, then the timeline catches up. Right, right. And then we see that in the beginning of seven as right. Shaw is being set up as our bad guy. Right. Uh, Shaw in is later joins the team in Right, <laughs> right so, which I, I said on another podcast, my look, this this franchise loves doing heel face turns, right? Yes. Like loves flipping people. I mean, on arguably that's what Toretto is. Yeah. Yes. Yes. The whole foundation um, of it is that happens in one. Uh, right. Where he, he turns and cares. Uh, and now we have to do it for, hey, Statham, people liked you. You want to do a few more movies? You got to yeah. be the good guy, though. Well, and also, <laughs> hey, The Rock likes doing scenes with you more than Vin. He wants you to be his partner in all of these things, right? <laughs> yeah. But um, the, excuse me, uh, brain fart for a second. Um, the 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 thing um uh, uh fuck 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 give me a second you'll cut this out i'm trying to remember the the connective tissue i was going to throw oh out. i just stepped on everything you were saying so don't worry no about no it. no it's fine uh han's death what we're talking about right before that statham oh yes i know what i was going to say yeah um this franchise traffics in the in the heel face turns there is very little i don't think they could sell me on if executed properly, right? Like, I want to say, having Shaw at least become an uneasy ally felt inevitable in this franchise. Right, right, right. right. I'm not fundamentally against that turn. What I'm against is, and I'm reusing a joke that I already made on the podcast, like it's 1999 episode, but that it's not the family who chooses that Shaw is okay. It is essentially Hobbes who says, like, he's good. We have to work with him. And then they give him the save the baby moment to, like, validate it. But my joke is, like, it's like your friend shows up at your birthday party with a person you hate and goes, like, don't worry, don't worry. They're cool now. They're not an asshole anymore. And it's like, right, you have to run it by me. 
Yeah, he killed. You can as ask far as me. we know, we right. killed Han. We haven't gotten to nine yet, where we learn that Mister Nobody faked Han's death. Right. But like, call me, make this pitch, and I'll probably be magnanimous and say, okay, I'll give him a shot. Right. Don't right. just show up with this guy in tow and go like, don't worry, he's cool. We're good now. Right. <laughs> so like, that's that's the problem. But that creates the whole justice for Han thing because it's like. Well, now Han's death doesn't really mean anything. That's right. that's the problem. It has no kind of weight to it. And here's well, this I, and like, that, and they take the teeth out of villains because you know right. that uh, the next movie they're going to be a good guy. Right, right. Uh, and that's where Lin like says that's why he came back to do this movie because he he I didn't realize this, but I read I think it was an L.A. Times interview with him where he said he did not watch seven or eight when they came out. I think probably because he was just kind of so close to it that he was just sort of like weird to watch someone else fuck my wife or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But um, did not watch either of those and then only was hearing the Justice for Han stuff online, which I think Sung Kang kind of brought his attention to. And uh, then he was like, fuck, that does rub me the wrong way. Like, let me call Vin. Let me see what they're thinking. Let because like now I feel like I gotta kind of do right by this and like course correct and whatever. But Ugh. I also think it is so telling in terms of how non-toxic the Fast and Furious franchise uh, fandom is. That like look at how fucking civil the Justice for Han thing was in comparison to like release the Snyder cut or all yeah. the fucking anti-Kathleen Kennedy shit or yeah, whatever. Yeah, or the anti-Ray shit, all the right, anti- Or even like yeah. anti-fucking like original Sonic the Hedgehog design shit. Yeah. Like, I just feel like there was this very civil kind of like, this hurts us, we care about this character. You know, you had people saying like, I care about this character as an Asian person. You had people just saying like, I just love these movies and I care about these characters and their relationships. And I think this breaks the emotional like spine of the franchise and all this shit. It all just happened very calmly. Sung King like went on podcasts and had these people on his podcasts and like nothing incendiary was said. No one was like shit talking anyone. And everyone was just kind of like, well, yeah, that sucks. And then they just quietly did this thing. No one fucking knew Han was back in the movie until the trailer premiered, which was at that time only two months before the movie was originally supposed to come out. I and, know. and we all went like, holy shit, how did they keep this a secret? And Han's in the trailer. He's back alive. And the tagline is justice is coming. And you're just like, there's nothing snarky or assholey about that. There's no kind of like. JJ like negating what Ryan Johnson did. Right. No, it's, that's it's literally just, listening like yeah. the fan kind of being like, actually, we kind of agree, guys. We'll 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 fucking patch this up. Good Everything call. that happened happened. We're not negating anything, but there has to be an atonement for this. There has to be consequences for this. Right. We right. have to accept this as like a heavy reality. So like that shit is so good. I don't know what it was like with your audience, but uh, uh seeing this the second time. The audience broke out into applause when they show Han's face on a computer screen for the first time. Yep. When Tej is like, there's one more photo that came up. You guys better brace yourselves. Applause break. When they reveal that Han is the sniper on the rooftop, applause break. Before the reveal of the sniper in my screening, when the yeah. first sniper shot hit, someone yeah. screamed Han. Wow. Because wow. it was just yeah. so perfect. They were like, yeah. Han! And it was like, yeah, yeah it's going to be Han, baby. <laughs> and and when he walks into like the secret lair, another yeah. applause break. 
it, it, the the love and, and we're talking about number twelve. We're talking about yes. number twelve on the call sheet, and yeah. this is the uh, reaction he gets from the crowd. Right. Right, and it, this is genuine. This was not forced upon us, you know? Right. Yeah. Like, this is not because he's the most beloved character from 60 years of the comics or whatever. Right. Because they cast a hot actor or whatever. Like, and, and you know, Addie Weyrich texting me while she's watching these movies for the first time, right? <laughs> uh, and um, got to Tokyo Drift and was like, this guy Han is unbelievable. This is like the coolest actor I've ever seen. It's such a bummer that they kill him in this movie. She's watching three genuinely not knowing that this franchise is about to bend its entire chronology into pretzels just to just keep to this keep guy him coming around back. Just to have right. him be one ninth of the team. Right. She doesn't know that he's the fan favorite. She doesn't know the movie series is going to work overtime to keep him around. But her immediate impression is, oh, this is the coolest guy I've seen in any of these movies. Uh, Ramona Head, one of my best and oldest friends, sits next to me at the draft house screening. She has only seen Hobbs and Shaw. She has not seen any mainline Fast and Furious. He comes on screen and she goes, this guy's got the most swag I've ever seen. He kind of does, and the Just movie pr- immediately. This the is movie the coolest gives guy it I've him. ever seen in yeah, a movie the- that's all about everyone trying to be as cool as possible. She just kind of went, "Holy shit!" The way this guy walks. Yeah, and well, it's the snacking too. And that the shit snacking. is like it's it's arguably iconic to yes. watch him pop chips in his mouth. Like it's yeah. like, yeah. and he just fucking underplays everything. It is all so unforced and natural for him. And it's fun to see him too because he aged i love that and And i think the haircut was a really great decision on part of that i read lynn saying that like you know because they had made the the flashback wig for when you have those flashback scenes right he was like no i want to age sung kang as an actor into his steve mcqueen period like he's not the young hot shot kid with the slick back hair devil may care attitude anymore i want to age him into like being like a legendary fucking like Paul Newman cool guy you know and he and he it sits on him well really he, got, well. he put like a little bit of weight and a little bit yeah. of like I'm a 45 year old yeah. man look and he looks yeah. fucking great he and looks it feels and it yeah. feels real it feels like it feels real. in a movie full of people who don't look that human like yeah. Tyrese and uh, Ludacris are some of the smoothest, handsomest motherfuckers yes. in a movie. Yes. Toretto has got so much makeup on that he's yeah. like got he's zero blemish from like forehead to fucking taint. Ludacris, uh, it looks like they line him up every other minute. Like they interrupt yeah, shots sorry. to have his barber come in. <laughs> I, you know, like everyone. I is believe just he's so getting his baby polished. hairs done in between yes. each relight. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in between lines, when it's on the other actor, they run in quickly and they do. It's like one of those James Cameron things where it's like the technology was actually invented. We found silent hair buzzers so we can keep Tej lined up during other people's coverage. Right, (laughs) right. But like I, 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 it is nice that he's the most human of all these guys, but also is just naturally the fucking coolest. You know, there's something about the way he carries himself that it just in a movie full of this is like our Magnificent Seven. It's like yeah. everyone is trying to fucking out-act each other, out-swag each other, out-be cool each other. But there is this fucking generous team spirit. And you even just look at the fact, I remember this being so fucking like startling watching Fast Five. And there's so much more conversation about like, uh, you know, Asian American representation in media now than than there was 10 years ago when Fast Five came out, right? Ugh. And, and uh, you know, it, this went viral on Twitter recently, but, like, 
someone, I, I forget who it was, but it was like a screenwriter or, or someone who works in the industry, right, with a blue check said like, uh, a, a studio executive said to me the other day, and, and people were interpreting this every single way of like, is this a damning thing? Is this like a shitty cynical thing? What is this? But just saying like, the Fast and Furious franchise did more for diversity in Hollywood than every Twitter campaign combined. But I think that is fundamentally true because uh, Hollywood is a bad place. It is a horrible industry uh, run by uh, amoral scoundrels, right? And what they care about is fucking money. You know, uh, people like to some degree getting credit and pats on the back for being a good guy. And if there's some Twitter campaign and they can acquiesce to it, and it works and people can say like, bravo, bravo, they'll take that for a moment. But at the end of the day, they want to buy another boat, right? And yeah. the fact is there was always this self-perpetuating myth that films with diverse casts did not travel, that people of one nation did not like watching people of other nations in movies. And American movies are the only films that travel to other countries, right, uh, as broadly and only with white actors. And like black actors don't travel, Asian actors don't travel, all of this sort of shit. And then Fast Five immediately blows that up, right? And not only that, but it was like Too Fast did more than the first movie internationally. Tokyo Drift weirdly did more than Too Fast internationally, even though it's the only movie to domestically make less than $100 million. That's the reason the franchise keeps going because they were like, weird tokyo drift popped in like these eight countries and because then it fucking just... every country has cars like and right. every country has every country wants to see people do cool shit like it doesn't matter and you're, you're touching the you're, only you're, franchise that feels like genuinely post-racial in a way that doesn't feel like uh, it's trying to be you and me right well i gotta say i think the, the reason is is because it wasn't a movie that lacked diversity and then added it and saw no, success right it was a movie that got success because it on its own had great diversity because it's also fans representing la streetcar yes, racing exactly, to start right and it's like right. one of the first movies that just was was like, it's L.A. street racing. These people got to look like they live in fucking L.A. And the like, first one had a more diverse cast because it cost $30 million and it was not meant to be a blockbuster. Like, right? it was like a programmer. That's the, that's the fucking thing. Like, this whole franchise, like, and, like, being made ass backwards, like, helps actually change the landscape of all media. Because it truly was a thing where then executives start going, like, oh, we should fill the supporting cast of our movies with people who aren't just dumb white guys. Yeah. Because, like, look Arguably, at the fucking... Fast and Five it, numbers. Yeah. The Fast Five Fast Five is crazy. Like, this movie, every time they add these, this series, every time they add someone, it's not... The only person who... The only white person who is added to the cast and then never... Uh, Mr. Nobody. It's... it's but they, Scott Mr. Eastwood. Little Nobody. Yes, yeah, yeah. He is the only character I believe the franchise will ever fully and conclusively drop and never speak of again. Right? I like, don't a franchise fully that's know, cause noted... Because it's for, like too much of like, you're trying to replace Paul. Like that, yes. that's like too, too transparent. Yeah. And let's put a pin on that. Cause I have a thing I want to say about that, but, uh, 8,000 pins on the board right now, but, <laughs> but like, Charlie day meme but with right. fast nine specifics. Yeah. <laughs> but talk about the fact that it's like, Oh, the Sun King thing, like the people wanted Han, they wanted more and more Han. And then like in fast five, he's what? Like the seventh, eighth, you know, guy on the call sheet or whatever. But like the fact that that movie sets him up romantically with the hottest woman who has ever been in any of these films. Right. I th I think Who's, is, who also is 
English is a second language Israeli. Like Right, right. And I think that is a watershed moment. Like truly because uh when when people talk about uh, the struggles that have existed in like Asian American representation in Hollywood, the the asexualization of Asian males is always like at the very top of the discussion. Yes. Han's allowed to be cool. He's allowed to be a badass. He's not a martial artist. He's not a joke. He's As a matter of fact, in, in six, he gets the great moment where him and Roman just can't hang with the dude from fucking uh, Warrior. I yes. forget his name. And he's just so talented in fighting. But you just see Sun Kang being like, fuck, I don't even know. It's like him and Tyrese yeah. like, all right, like just getting worked. And that's yeah. such a fun thing to give your hero. He's not low key a martial artist. No, it's just he's, like, he's, he's a driver. From, yeah, he's a driver. <laughs> he's vulnerable, but high status at the same time. And, and like, so talking about the whole, the handling of, of Han in this movie, right? Because you go into this and the two questions are, how is he still alive? And how are you going to explain that he's been alive this entire time and not in communication with our lead characters? Right. Those are the two questions. And for me, the second one scared me more than the first one. Right. I the first one is like, uh, you give me ma movie magic. The second right. one and breaks La Familia. Right. And and the first answer, I think they explain exactly as much as I want to. You know, I mean, I, f I feel like even maybe you asked me, like, how do they answer the Han death thing without spoilers? Like, is it OK? And I went like, it is the exact amount of like, I don't know who gives a shit. Like, it is the exact yeah. correct <laughs> amount of like, I don't know that people were looking the other way. Right. Like, it, <laughs> because at the end of the day, it doesn't it doesn't fucking matter. Truly. In the reality of these movies, it doesn't fucking matter. People have come back from the dead. They've come back from amnesia, all this sort of shit. Yeah. And I also think the emotional logic of the thing is airtight because killing Han was a mistake. It was the correct decision when you think of uh, Tokyo Drift as an anthology isolated film. If that's the only narrative you're ever going to make within the Fast and Furious franchise, uh, with that, those characters, that sliver of the world, then sure, he's the Obi-Wan Kenobi. You kill him before the final battle. Like, that works emotionally. But once the franchise has come back, has gotten expanded out, is tying together all the threads, it's a fatal mistake to take Han off the bench, right? So they're bringing him back and bringing him back and bringing him back. And then, you know, they finally close the timeline because Lin is leaving the movies. He wants to go off and do other stuff after six. That's his character. Han is originally in Better Luck Tomorrow. You know, so it's like he's taking Han with him. He doesn't want to let someone else do Han. I respect all of that, right? The thing they never could have accounted for is that Paul Walker then dies in real life and Paul Walker dying like really puts the balance of the entire team on a knife's edge. So now the movie seven that is designed to be, oh, the characters get vengeance for Han's death, right? A movie that's all about memorializing Han now also has to be a movie about memorializing Paul Walker, the actor. So the yeah. movie is now covering these two things, which I don't think takes away from Han's death, but it does mean that in your mind's eye, the legacy of that movie is more, that's the Paul death movie than that's the Han death movie. Right, right. right. So then when 8 comes in and is so flipping about it and now like Shaw's good, Shaw, Shaw's Hobbs a good guy, yeah. the team and all this sort of shit, now you're just like, well, now it really hasn't been accounted for, but also here's Mr. Little Nobody stinking up the place. The team is unbalanced. Dom's not there. You do feel the absence of Brian and Mia, right? That like yeah. you need some more grounding. You need different energies there. 
And like, you have to replace that, that I'm all for like, you know what? Fuck it. He's still alive. It doesn't fucking matter. You say Mr. Nobody put a mirror in front of the screen or whatever. Right. Yeah. You know, he used uh, Pepper's ghost, you know, the old timey (laughs) illusion or whatever. Doesn't fuck it. I mean, they literally just say like, pulled off some magic tricks. Fine. (laughs) Fine. Don't care. These movies are better if he's in them. The second question is the harder one to answer and they answer correctly, which is he built a new familial bond with a person, a person who at that point had no other family. And so he needed to look out for her and him making himself known, put her at danger. Right. And I do think Sung Kang, even though they don't devote like a lot of dialogue to it, does play the heaviness of I have not been able to see you. Right. Right. Like it has hurt me that I have had to keep this a secret, that I have forced all of you to grieve me. You have to understand it was for another reason. You know? And then, like when she gets connected to when Elle is her name, I think Ellie gets connected to the storyline. Yes. Yeah. Then it's like, well, Han's like, well, now I got to reintroduce now myself I'm back to in. my. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and not only that, like, I don't know if you feel this way, but Ellie comes in and I go, great. Hi. Nice to meet you. Can't wait to see what you do. Like, I just accept new characters in this franchise so quickly because of the level of trust I have. But also, I'm just like, I like you. Looks like you cast a good actor, got a good energy. I like well, the way you've set this up emotionally. I'm ready to see. She's from Ninja Assassin. From she's cool. a total badass. And it's like, yeah. and. It's fucking to tie into what we we're talking to right before the Han shit. Yeah. To a- to add another character to the crew and for that w- it to be an Asian woman is just yeah. like that's just them fucking firing on all cylinders of just yes. like it's getting bigger. We have Cena coming in who's like at, like iconically white American. Yeah. Like it's a perfect and it's like if that's that guy's our rock, the rock. So now we got to add in some more uh, uh, of the flavor and we get fucking this character who and she gets Two different sequences to shine. Yeah. It's like so she gets to fire a fucking 50 cal machine gun and she gets to merc like eight dudes hand to hand. It fucking as rules. We've, as we've seen with Ramsey, like they they put in the time, right? Like, you know, by the time Ramsey comes in this movie, there's no part of me where I'm like, oh, right, she's the new kid. You know, Ramsey right. fully earned her status with the team. You know, seven, she's a plot device, right? Eight, right. you're like, okay, you're keeping her cool, like her, but they're still trying to figure out where she fits in the dynamic, how all that. Eight, it's just like, you've been here forever, as far as I'm concerned. You deserve I, the right to be here as much as anyone. And Ellie, I feel the same way, where I'm like, I trust you. I like the first impression you're making. I can't wait to see what they do with you next. And another aspect we have to talk about to this point where it's like, Ramsey, you're adding like, you know, a black British uh, 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 woman and you're adding uh, a young Asian woman. The generational thing is very big with those two characters as well, which is this franchise has been going on for 20 years. All these people are tiptoeing into their 50s, if not already dancing around it. It's nice to have two people who are younger. You know, it's good to have like some different fucking perspectives on the team. Yeah. Yeah. Also, uh, Ramsey's a great example because she's a good actor, a black British person to add it to the movie. And also continuing with Vin's smart is from Game of Thrones, which at yes. the time when that movie right. came out was the right. biggest H- right. biggest show on TV. And he just, it's like, pull him in. The Rock is the biggest, pull him in. Yeah, Cena is this huge, in. okay, yeah. pull him in. Well, they can't, let's put him in our movies. Fuck it. Right. Kurt Russell, legend. Let's put him in our movies. Let's just but get these. And it, it's, it's sort such- of like, if you said to someone like, okay, this franchise goes on for nine movies, right? <laughs> yeah. And one of the bigger set pieces in seven or in, in nine, rather. And I say one of the bigger set pieces in that it's maybe 
fifth out of eight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the bigger set pieces is entirely a showcase for a character who only got added two movies ago, right? Yeah. That Ramsey gets this whole, and we need to talk about it, I don't know how to drive sequence, the thing I've been wanting in these movies for years, Yeah. right? On, on its face, you would go like, that sounds like Police Academy 6 bullshit, where now suddenly the whole movie's about Bobcat or whatever. Right, you know? right, like, right. That shouldn't work. We want the OG people. But you're like, no, these all of these characters have earned their right to be here, and I care and about Dom them. And Dom has been telling us for a handful of movies yeah. that it's all about the family, and it, right. everyone matters, and if no, right. like, we gotta help. So- when Ramsey is getting a full-on fucking set piece to herself, you're believing it because Vin, because Dom believes in all these people. The ethos of the characters is reflecting the generosity of the actual narrative. Right. Well, for, yeah. now we're talking also Ramsey drives. Yeah. No one has ever seen driving Dom in any of these movies. No. no Dom always things. drives himself. So that's a yes. fucking wild se sequence. To, and that's Dom. Giving it up to the actor whose name is escaping me at this moment, but Natalie like, Emanuel. Yeah. Natalie Emanuel. Fucking and that's him going like, and yeah. I'll be in this scene with you. And it's it still doesn't literally your scene. say like nice driving. Like yes! he, I mean, it's such a fucking like like he's he's tapping her on both Give shoulders. It with, yeah. Right. Really. You know, but like from the our fucking Furious Seven episode, what, five years ago? Yeah. Right? <laughs> I, I've said, like, I want to be in these movies. You and I have talked about ultimate career goal to be in one of these fucking movies. And Hell I said, yeah. the thing I'd love to do is to be the member of the team who doesn't have a driver's license because I'm a fucking nervous wreck and cars freak me out and I don't have a driver's license. Lifelong New York City boy. Like, right. Yeah. That was my half joke answer, right? Uh, to see that on screen executed well and not feel any level of jealousy. You know what I'm saying? As as an actor, I can totally understand because what you're saying is they pulled it off and I'm not even mad that it wasn't me. And that's right. like hard for us narcissistic acting types. Right, right. And I'll say this. I'll say this like not not to like put on blast, but I feel the need to say this. I met Natalie Emanuel at a comic convention a couple years ago. We were both working when I was trying to pretend the tick hadn't been canceled and she was promoting the final season of the biggest TV show in history. <laughs> and like uh, my handlers brought me over to her handlers because they knew I was such a fan. And I was like, hey, I just want you to know, I do not give a shit about Game of Thrones. I've literally never seen a fucking episode. I want to talk about Ramsey, Ramsey rules. And she was clearly <laughs> so relieved that it like, wasn't yeah. Game of Thrones talk, right? Um, and we just talked a lot. She was really lovely. And we just talked about... She she was shooting eight at the time. This was like two years ago. Um, we talked about uh, Ramsey and Vin and uh, told me the exact Vin stories I want to hear about him just being like a fucking champion for everyone and like a, the Papa Bear, the whole movie and whatever. But um, uh, I, I saw this early screening and I did. I was tentative to do it. I slid into her DMs. She had followed me after that convention, and I was just like, I don't, maybe she just follows people quick, doesn't remember me, whatever. And I just sent her a message. I was like, I don't know if you remember me. I was that guy who fucking nerded out to you about Fast and Furious for like 20 minutes backstage at that convention, whatever, years ago. I just want you to know, like, I don't have a driver's license. This has always been my joke with friends. I always repeat on podcasts. I want to be the guy who has to do the set piece at the end of the movie where they realize he doesn't know how to drive and he's crashing into everything, whatever. And like, you did it so well that I wasn't gel. I was just like so amped to see it on screen. So thank you. And her fucking response, Gabrus, was, I don't drive either. Oh, 
they fucking gave her a real yep. like that's yep. a real and flex that's, for the that's actor. The thing. That's the thing. And you know what? I could fucking feel that. I could fucking feel that. That that sequence doesn't feel arbitrary. That it feels like part of the generosity and the insight this franchise has into its entire bench of like, what's the best way to let Ramsey score? Who is this actor? Now that we know them, right? Now that they are part of the and family. And now it makes sense. She's probably like, well. you're a New York City kid. She's probably a London kid and just. She's a London kid. Right. Yeah. Never needed right. a car. That sequence <laughs> is in London. She has the fucking line where she says like, no one drives in London anyway. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I just was like, I fucking knew it. I fucking knew it both in that performance and in the writing that it just feels like right. Oh, that makes me lo- fucking love I, that I, shit. I mean, it's going to sound like I'm being facetious here, but I swear I'm not. It <laughs> truly felt like my representation matters moment as an audience member yeah. watching this franchise. <laughs> I was like, that's me on screen and is someone who deserves to be playing that part because she also was freaked out by cars. <laughs> <laughs> and it's she, pun intended, crushes that she scene. She crushes it. That scene rules. <laughs> it's one of the, my favorite scenes. And that's pre-Magnets. And the magnet shit is all super fun. But pre-magnets is just her crushing shit and it fucking rules. Well, that's that's her final, like her fucking like final bow on that sequence is she gets to crank it up and pull fucking John Cena's car through the whole thing. Right. Oh, and leading up to that too is the serendipitous like fucking Keystone Cops uh, pulp fiction level connection that they're fist fighting in the back that of a yes. car she's hijacking. Yes. So like, good. And so unbeknownst good. to either party. And it's like, that's so dumb and yeah. fun. And I'm right. so happy. Perfect. And so now you're getting a fucking fun hand to hand set piece yeah. with our two jokers. And we get to fucking also then cut to the wide shot of the, of this setting that they're in plowing through shit. It's like, it's John, John, this is such Justin Lin King shit, you're forgetting that they're cutting between three different action sequences at the same time. What? It's Ramsey driving the car and crashing. It is Tej and Roman in the back fist fighting these guards. And it is Dom on foot on rooftops chasing Jacob on his on zip, line. zip line. Dude, that, the it's zip three. line. The length you know, of zipline made me yeah. laugh so frequently. Like every time Incredible. they came back, it was just still going. We were, but that's the like, theater was so alive. We were yes. cackling and it's like. Same, same. But that's the shit where it's like, it, it pisses me off when people say that these movies are stupid. These movies are silly. There's yes. a fundamental difference for me because I think these movies are very smart and very canny about what they're doing. They know what they're doing when they cut back to exactly. a six foot three 275-pound, muscle-bound dude yeah. sliding by one arm clear yes. across an entire city. Like right. that. And just like there are two great repetitive editing jokes in this movie that the difference between seeing it a critic screening with five people and seeing it with a crowd and every single time it got a laugh, like perfectly orchestrated as if it was an Apatow movie where he's fucking recording the test screenings to like right, right. refine <laughs> the peaks and waves of the laugh, yeah, yeah. right? A, every time you cut back to the zip line and it's still going, a laugh, right? <laughs> they, even hit you, they even hit you with the reset where he yes. they show how fast he can fire off another right. one. <laughs> right, and, and somehow that's even funnier to be like, yes. oh, it's not one zip line, it's like... Five infinite zip lines or whatever. <laughs> but then but then the other one is, and, and we'll we'll circle back to this, but when they're cutting back and forth between them trying to stop the giant truck 
and Roman and Tej in space. And every time you just do the cutback, reset, establishing shot of car in space, it's like a huge fucking pump your fist laugh moment. He knows exactly the what fucking, the fuck he's doing. He's a fucking conductor because the rhythm yes. of that sequence is so like right. huge car explosion. Right. Try this, try this. And then uh, quick cut to silence. Still, <laughs> yeah. right, still silence, floating car, tw Twinkie wrappers, fucking whatever. But there's, there's a shot. Um, a friend who hadn't seen any of the previous movies, uh, I, th I think it was after the um, movie was asking me like, What's the difference? Like, what are the things where you can really feel the difference between Lynn and the last couple directors on these movies, right? And to be clear, I love the job that uh, Juan did on uh, Seven. Yeah, seven, I was seven, like, five, seven, and nine. Th those three uh, odd ones are, you know, yeah. they're living in my favorites right now. They're living we, in my top three. We're talking about a lot of this shit of just like Lynn having really good story judgment, right? And like what to focus on and what to hand wave and uh, the defining lines between what breaks a character and what doesn't. But if there's one moment just of like Lynn as a director that I isolated watching this a second time where I was like, that's the shit. That's the shit where he's kind of next level with building these set pieces is in this sequence we're talking about, you cut from... uh. It's, it's, I'm sorry, it's like a huge crane shot or drone shot or whatever uh, of Vin, you know, in fucking flannel, uh, not flannel, thermal shirt, just fucking hoofing it across these rooftops, <laughs> chasing this ogre on a zip line, right? <laughs> and the camera's like following them, moving with them along that axis, right? Like the X axis or whatever. And then it moves over to the Y axis. It stops following them moving forward and, and goes off the side of the building to the streets where Ramsey is now like crossing through. They've the now, truck. and this is something we talk a lot about on Action Boys because good yeah. action direction. And spatial geography. Is, that's exactly yeah. what I'm saying. Good action direction lets you know the geography of where right. everybody, right. and that connecting moment that you're talking that, about, I, so I remember slight, it as well. But yeah. you just go like, that's just such masterly shit of just like very elegantly just moving the camera over and being like, and now this is where the two things are. They're moving in opposite directions, but they're both in the same area. Now, and, and then you cut from, you know, Ramsey in the fucking driver's seat back to them fighting in the back. Like, it's like all three things going on at the same time. It's incredible, incredible plate spinning. Not to mention the fucking blockbuster flex it is to have uh, uh, not cut in between those two things. Yeah, like, to have that all set up to go like that. Whatever the fakeness, whatever CGI they did in post. Shot, it feels real. Like, yeah. it really does. Yeah, it's, it's right. That's, that's the, like, sort of, like, He's looking at the camera and going like, yeah, I know what I'm doing. Like, yeah, he's, I know he's like, motherfucker, I got things. I got fucking four crews working at once right, right. now. We're, but I like, I did it like it was nothing. Yeah. You know, I didn't treat I didn't it like it's it was It's not a super special. The, right. It's super small. Yeah. Early on in the movie, the Justin Lin moment for me that hit really hard, that felt like old, like felt like some of the stuff he always got right yeah. was the smirk Cena gives Dom. Yeah. Yeah. Like when they're finally alongside each other and it's like, wait a minute, do I know you? And he's just kind of like, hmm. And it's that through yes. the window shot that yeah. he does so well of like yeah. when you would see Brian and him smirk to each other and you just get that. And then you're like, oh, we may have been driving through a jungle with like armored cars and dune buggies. Yeah. But this is fucking Fast and the Furious. In that moment with that with that head nod, you're just like, yes, that's as important to me now. And this is me. Be, uh, becoming an adult as a cinema fan. It's sure. as important for me to see the Jeep drive vertical on the rope bridge yeah. as it is to see Cena go, 
get, yeah, it's me, your brother. Yes, yes. Like those and, two things hit equally hard for me now as a grown up, and I fucking can't get enough of it. I, I've heard, you know, contrasting opinions on the Cena casting as an idea and the performance itself. I, I really like the way the movie uses him here. I think Cena is an interesting case because I, and, and stop me if you disagree with this, but like the attempt to make him a straightforward action star was like a complete non-starter. Then it felt like there was like eight years of just like, oh yeah, that guy's not a movie star. We're not doing fucking anything with him, right? And then he comes back as the surprising comedy star and you're like, oh, he's really, really funny in this vein. But maybe he's so goofy in comedy that it's not even like a Batista thing where he can like have a foot in both worlds. He might only work in goofy comedy. Yeah, he might right? just be a comedian who could bench 405. Right. You yeah. watch Blockers and you're just like, his body might just be part of the visual gag of putting <laughs> right, this guy right, in right. cargo <laughs> shorts, right? Like, <laughs> But I don't know if I could take this guy seriously in an action movie, especially because in the past he was so flat in action movies. Right. So his casting in this, you're like, Okay, I understand they're trying to place the rock. You want another wrestler. It's Vin being canny about like overlap of fan bases and all this sort of shit. When I had heard the scoop that they were trying to build this movie around the long lost Toretto brother, the thing I heard originally, and who knows if this was true, was that they wanted it to be uh, Cage as the older brother, which at the oh, time shit. I went like, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. But in retrospect, and I was kind of bummed out when it wasn't that, right? In retrospect, I think this was the smarter choice because I think what you need is a guy who is in so many ways a physical analog to Vin, right? I yeah. don't think it would have worked with Cage sitting behind a desk, right? And I, I think Cage's kind of like overcranked absurdism might not have been the best fit for this as much as in the moment I thought I wanted to see it. I, I think you need a physical rival. I think it works much better with him being a younger brother Right. So much of what's interesting here is the shadow element of it. Right. And they, right. they touch on that. <laughs> uh, a, a fair amount. A fair amount. But I, I think now the, you're in my shadow. I think the <laughs> okay. other thing is it is there is the metatextual element of like Cena inherently kind of can't do what Vin Diesel does. Right. If Cena could be Vin Diesel, he would have been Vin Diesel after the Marine. Yeah. It is also like. There's an element that I can't. I I was calling this Friday night when I saw it, and and yeah. it was it, I was I was being non generous. Yeah. But there is something to. I was joking, saying like, of course Vin pushes for John Cena to play his brother because yeah. if he's gonna pull one more person in, Vin's like, I gotta have a few people that I'm a better actor than. Right. Right. And and then but, you're also like, but if it's his brother, maybe. They're genetically a little wooden. <laughs> and it's like, That's oh my thing. God, it fucking is genius now. And, and also, also, that character works because John Cena's trying a little bit too hard. Yes. Like, I, that's that's the huge thing for me of just like it works because yes. there's the meta element of like he's trying so hard. Right. And yeah. I think Cena has a lot more humility than The Rock does where I, I think John Cena has a lot more humility than The Rock does, where The Rock immediately came in and was like, well, that's what they hired me to do. They hired me to elevate this franchise. I made it bigger. This is mine as much as it's his now. Right. Yeah, yeah. And Cena's like, I know this is your court. I'm trying to show that I can do this. And there is in all the scenes where he's trying to tough guy it and pout, nod and whatever. 
there's a little bit of like a scared little boy trying to seem tough Dude. in Cena, which is what he's tapped into as a comedian very well. That helps those scenes because all along you're kind of like, this guy, can he, can't he drop the act and just accept that he misses his brother? Like, when's he going to like stop acting so tough? And yeah. so when that turn happens, which has to happen very quick, very late in the movie, and he drops it, A, you're happy to see it. And B, seen as far more natural playing those scenes where he's kind of just wounded in the last 15, 20 minutes of the movie. I find yeah. him very winning in that uh, whole section. He's so, it's so fun the way he, uh, he, he adjusts so quickly to that. And with yes. the flashbacks, yeah. it really sets up like, he can be a little mopey and wooden because his right. brother, he has a weird dynamic. Right. And I, I think the younger brother casting is really good. And that kid plays it very kind of mopey and self-pitying. So that sets like a good base for but, all of this. But with a sort of boiling or bubbling right. anger that would justify. And then also they low key, it's whether you like it or not. Mm hmm. The fucking, the deus ex machina connection of that Cena previously worked for uh, yes. Mr. Nobody and all that stuff. No, I like all that. Yeah. It, it's sort of like, ah, that's a little neat. But it also then casually puts a little justification on like the last few movies. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, that's like the exact kind of self-knowing joke I want in this movie, which is him saying like, don't you find it a little bizarre that you guys went from like heisting dvd players to being like the the best team in the world like you yeah. never really question that transition <laughs> and that's like the exact kind of like oh it's not that he's fucking blowfeld and every antagonist they faced in the past has been a puppet right yeah. it's more so that he's just like this isn't arbitrary the arc of this franchise I, I i brought you into this because i was off in my own fucking movie series because you kicked me out which is the other wrinkle to Jacob, which is just like, what happens to a Toretto if you don't have family? Like, yeah, and when, a, a thing that's iconic that other right. people speak about. Well, if he's Toretto, it's family. It's like, right. oh, yeah, other people even know that. But it's like it curdled this man's soul that he didn't have a family. And much like the only way you can justify Dom turning against the family is if he finds out he has a son. The only way you can justify Han staying dead is he took on a new family member who he needed to keep safe. Yeah, it's always got to be family justifications. I, yeah. I like the intricacy of you spend most of the movie really thinking Jacob is just an absolute wormy piece of shit. And then you find out that he did do the fucked up thing, but it was because the dad told him to. And the yeah. dad made him promise never to tell Dom and that he has lived his entire life looking like an asshole to uphold a family. Family, promise. yes. I like sick. that the movie kind of makes Dom look bad. I yes. like that Dom has to take this giant L of like, I really was so fucking arrogant in the fact that my my compass for family and the rules of family was the ultimate, that I was the grand arbiter and that I just assumed I knew exactly what this guy did and why and that he was a fucking traitor and I cast him out and I like cast him to the worst punishment in the world, to live without a family, Toretto without a family. Ugh. That's nothing, you know? And that he, at the end of the movie, has to uh, own that. And that gets to the other thing that I think is really smart about the Cena casting, which I didn't really put together until maybe the second viewing. But, um, you know, as we said, like, he's smart because he's a guy who is trying too hard to occupy the same space, as opposed to if you hired a heavyweight dramatic actor who wasn't in these fights, but would just fucking act tables around everyone, right? Yeah. Um, he works because 
visually and physically, he is a match. They, there is a weird parallel quality to their screen presences, their weird woodenness, but also they're just like bizarre bodies, their hyper grimaces, you know? Yeah, and then you the get to have like architecture them, of their faces. They're you get so to have them extreme. do kaiju fights. Like that's like, right. you need right. that, like the rock versus, uh, you know, the Hobbs versus Toretto right. fight from five. We want to match that with a couple of big boys. You know, we got to give Vin his due to get him, right. get him squared off against a but, big boy. But the, the pouts and the smirks and all that sort of shit, like they're in the same language, which helps. And then the third thing is, which I only really realized the second time and just Lynn being so fucking smart, I realized they're actually solving two problems here. Casting Cena and creating the character of Jacob, right? And putting those two things together simultaneously fills the holes left by both, I would argue, Brian and Hobbs. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. Right, it's because they're like, first of all, we need another fucking beefhead. We need another, like, muscle bro. We need another kaiju in this franchise. You need another guy with wrestling energy, with that sort of, like, theatricality, you know? And that sort of, like, the physical vocabulary and all that sort of stuff. But but you also need the thing that I feel like 8 was sorely lacking, which is, like, this franchise is all about that original relationship, right? D about Dom Ryan. and Brian. And Dom and that weird like romance between the two of them. And I don't mean this facetiously, but like that it is about these two guys who are naturally very wary of each other, exist on opposite sides of the law and kind of start to like each other. And I, and that question lingers for two movies until they come back in four where it's just like, I should hate you, but why did you give me the getaway car? Is there any chance that that was real? Like, I want to give you another shot because part of me thinks that that was real, right? There was something there. Yeah, and then, we, we were connected. We connected. We had connected. something. Yeah. Right, and you have the Mia relationship as well on top of that, you know? But it's like, that's the thing of just like, was this guy on the level? Was there something? And the triumphant shit at the end of four where Brian made a promise. Toretto would not go to jail. Yeah. <laughs> even when they couldn't swing the fucking lawsuit his way, you know, the judge wouldn't give him the ruling he wanted. Then Brian goes, well, a promise is a promise. And he fucking breaks him out of the prison transport bus himself because that's what you do for fucking family. And you need that core, right? You need that like history and the blood in it. And when you remove that because of Paul Walker's unfortunate death, there's not the same kind of grounding there because then you're just like, well, this is a bunch of people who are on the same level. You don't have that these people had to overcome something to really right. learn to trust, to go through something together. So you need to retcon in. Here is someone else Dom has as much history with, where there's as much reason to not trust them, where there's equal amounts of love and hate there, and someone has to prove themselves. And you need a fucking kaiju, you know? Yeah, and it's like, Well, and let's not even, we're not even talking about the fact that the creation of Jacob and the, and the flashback and b setting him up and, yeah. The split between Dom and him also establishes why Dom is constantly seeking family. He lost right. his dad and his brother back to back two, and what's the two different ways and then and lost the his own life. Movie? Right. Yeah. Right. And lost his wife, but then she came back. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, baby he didn't know about. But also the ending of this fucking movie, that's where it clicked for me, is Dom flipping the script on the end of the original Fast and Furious. Where they've like come through this thing, they've been at fucking blows with each other, and then like at this moment of silence where you just imagine things are going to explode, Dom just kind of like nods and quietly gives him the keys 
and lets him drive off. You know, and that's the moment where I went like, oh, they, he's reset it. He's yeah, reset it. Match flipping fucking uh, two in the other, uh, you know, flipping one right. in the other direction. But yeah. like you need him to drive off at the end of it rather than having them just go like, welcome back to the family and giving right, him a right, hug. Right, You know, and, and to, to linger on Cena just kind of driving off his face, you know, I, I think is a good choice that he's got so much fucking face that dude. Yeah, it is I, absurd. I, yeah, it's crazy that he doesn't have a shaved head. But as know. we know, he spent entirely too much on that hair plugs. He's not yes, gonna shave them for a movie, no matter what. <laughs> it's so funny. You have to wonder if, like, part of him is just like, I could have waited like a year. Yeah, he's had this stupid ass flat top forever now. Yeah, yeah. Now he's never gonna touch that hair. It will never right. grow or shrink a centimeter. Yeah. Um, Wait. Yes, so we we're, we're yes. talked a little bit about the the meta ness behind yeah. the movie. So let's dive in a little we and we talked a little bit about this on text but yeah one of the meta runners in the movie roman is, being invincible. is roman being invincible and roman yeah. calling it out my favorite thing in the entire film yeah it's so much fun they do it like more than you think they should but not mm. too much no correct but more most importantly i think this movie and i'm always a roman fan yeah. I think this is the best writing they've done for Roman. Or I told you that he's like I, above agree, and beyond yeah. doing better than he could. I, could, I, I like, think both. I think it's. Both. I think it's. Both. I think it's. Both. I think you're on. I, right. I think. I think Tyrese rises to the material you give him. Uh, we just did all of Singleton on blank check, so I watched fucking three early Tyrese movies in a row. Essentially, his first three films. Uh, and his career has gone such a weird direction from how Singleton set him up. But I, I do think he rises to the material you give him. I think he's delivering the best he ever has in any of these films. And I think it's because they've written him properly. It's also funny, like, just all smart recalibration shit. But, like, bringing Ramsey in almost seemed like a problem because you're like, but isn't Tej the hacker? Like, what do you do if they're two hackers now? And then eight makes the mistake of it like, oh, her main role is for Roman and Tej to fight over her. Yeah. Which I, I like love that. that they just like abolish that in nine. Yeah, that and it's like and... none of us ended up with her. We're just family. I don't know. Like, I feel like there's a reading that her and Tej have a thing going on, but it's like not overtly sexual. And they yeah. don't make her just reduced to being like someone's girl. And she also just is like, cool. She's like pole position, the tech person now. Like yeah. Tej is doing her backup. But more importantly, Tej's role is to be Roman straight man. Like it, they finally yeah. just break Tej and Roman off into like the two of you are a, a comedic dynamic. And it's so smart because they're both yeah. insanely charismatic. Yes. The, and they both have like the fucking fun Fast and the Furious backstory where it's like yeah. if you go back far enough in their resume, they're not actors. They're a completely right. different form. Like, and that's right. so thrilling. Like The Rock, Cena, Tyrese. Tej, yeah. all these characters, you go back and they're like, I used to not be an actor at all. I used to do this sort of adjacent thing yeah. that somehow I'm now in the biggest blockbuster franchise right. of our well, time. Over, over the course of uh, 18 years, uh, Ludacris, a rapper who I believe had not acted in anything up until that point in time and gets like the flashy supporting role originally written for Ja Rule as like the flamboyant master of ceremonies. Yeah. Two decades later, has now become the straight man of the franchise, the sort of like normal guy pillar. His name is Ludacris, and he's <laughs> the straight man. 
Uh, I think that's that's really he has like a fucking crazy arc like uh Paul Bettany does in Avengers, where it's like yeah, yeah. you want to be a voice of a computer in Iron right. Man 2, and then by the end right. it's like you want to be in a sad sitcom parody with Elizabeth right. Olsen. It's like right. what? <laughs> yeah. Do you want to become like I don't know, like money penny? Like <laughs> yeah, right. you're some sort of like emotional like pillar of this thing. Uh it's also just wild seeing like right, like Tyrese's third build now. Like that is the chain of succession. Like it's almost like the president, you know, or yeah, like the, he's the secretary. Like he slides the, up the crown, right? You're just like as as people flip in and out. You're like that, right? Of course, Letty Rodriguez would be two now. Tyrese would be third. Like when when, when Tyrese appears in the beginning of the movie, that car pull up we're talking about, and yeah. he goes, "It's me, your friend." Don't you? I know I've been going tanning lately, and touches his face, and it's like yeah. that is. This is what I think they calibrated uh, Roman correctly on this time. Yeah. Early on in the movies, he's a little in five and six. He's a little yeah. bit of a bitch, and that's kind Correct. of like the game to him. Is Clearly, he's freaking out, and he's in over his head. Yeah, he's, why? Know, what are we yeah. doing diving out of this? Or right? Because it, it's early on that he's a fast talker and like gets himself into hot water by lying or whatever. Then the right. next, the ne and then they retcon it to sort of like. He's, he's a badass in se in eight right. or whatever the one right. where he's on the on the snow. I think that's right. six or seven. Gets, I forget. He gets a little too cool. A little. They make yeah. him so cool, and yeah. then they re finagle it back. Eight is whatever. I'm not going to talk about. But nine, they throw it back where it's like, okay, he's funny. He's not scared, but he is wildly confused slash entertained by what's well, happening. He's reacting to these things realistically, like it is. I, I, the audience goes like in the, the there's the first moment that he, Lin just kind of lets stay where um, uh, he falls through that roof and he's fist fighting the guy and everyone's shooting at him and he takes everyone out and then he just stands there in silence and he looks and he sees all the smoke coming off of him. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, that's an odd moment. These movies do not acknowledge mortality in that way right and you're like is that some weird one-off thing and then you have that bizarre sequence where you know the landmine the truck flips it gets stuck in the crevasse he's trying to get out he makes out just in time he's running the car flips on him you fake out think he's dead yeah he, he, he almost gets the fucking wily e. coyote death it's so right. fun that's and then so he staggers funny. out of it and they say how are you still alive he says i don't know and you're like another like that's a weird one-off joke. These movies, is that breaking the reality a little bit? But then it all just starts harmonizing that scene where he comes in and he's like, guys, I need to like talk about this for a second. And he, and then he starts breaking it down like from the fucking zoomed out perspective of the franchise. Right. He's like, we were doing, we've done this. We've yeah. done this. We jumped the out. Of, submarine. We <laughs> and like, I don't have a single scratch on my body. Like we've all survived this. People have come back from the dead. Like, look at my jacket, you know? Yeah, like, and it's got, like, bullet holes in the shoulders right. and, and stuff. And then he yeah. starts to, like, reason with them on the grounds of, like, science, knowing that they're the tech people, of being like, what happens when a theory is tested over and over again? It <laughs> yeah. becomes fact, you know? And, like, then Tej is, like, stringing him along, and then yeah, reveals, I like, like that you're <laughs> a fucking idiot. And you're like, okay, maybe that's, like, the one scene where you kind of acknowledge it. But I think it so beautifully comes back. They don't overplay it when Han comes back from the dead. But I think Tyrese plays the moment very well as an actor where he like, like, almost walks like, over see? like he's a ghost <laughs> yeah. and is like touching him and like how, how, how. Right. Um, 
And then to bring it back in the fucking space car, I, which I feel like is the the remaining major thing to talk about here, right? Yes, yes. Because it, it's it's the, the convalescence of these two things, right? The absurdity of of the heights now the franchise has gotten to, but also just like the grounding of knowing its characters so fucking well and its themes and its reality and all that sort of shit. You get to this point where the fucking Tokyo Drift guys who have now become the lone gunmen because this franchise will let a character you haven't seen in six years become a fundamentally different person if it serves the needs and it lets them score like it lets them shine it does it does like the comic book movie they they do the good comic book shit of like this guy you remember was quite a driver and kind of knowledgeable about cars a decade and a half ago now the homeboy makes rockets this guy yeah blanks shit happened like i remember my friend who i saw fast five with um uh, when he went back around and and that was, he hadn't seen the early films. He went back around and watched Too Fast, Too Furious and he asked my buddy, like, what happened? Like, Roman in Fast Five is a fundamentally different character than Roman in Too Fast. Like, what happened? And my friend, Alex Perlin, who's who's maybe my, my most loyal Fast and Furious friend who I've seen most of these movies with, uh, who's a public defender in New York City. Um, <laughs> he said just very calmly, very confidently, he grew up. It's he true, up, he though. He became a man. And it's like, he said it kind of like a joke, but it also is true that, like, these characters are off the board for so long that when they come back, you kind of accept, like, they've gone through some shit. Things have changed, you know, whatever. But also- Well, if you're, if it, you're, in, if you're in for the penny of what Vin has been through in the last right. 10 years, uh, what T- Toretto's been through in the last 10 yes. years, then you're in for the pound of what fucking right. Shad Moss, what Lil Bow Wow's been right. doing. Yeah. Right, and to that point, you're just like, okay, Lucas Black was a failed attempt at creating a new leading man for this franchise, Right. It does not do him any favors to bring him in and go like, and now he's jockeying to be the new guy. He's right. going to fill Paul Walker's slot. He's the hero of his own subplot. It is better to go like, what's a thing we don't have? Let's come up with a different type of skill you have. Let's come up with a different dynamic you can add to the group, a different energy you can add to the movie. Just let people fucking score. And yeah. part of what's fun is giving them this fucking Three Stooges dynamic, right? Like these three <laughs> guys, the way they all interplay off of each other. But you set that up, you feel like, is that a one-off fluke? But then, of course, they come around. What's the thing? Oh, no, there's a satellite. Even if we get both pieces of the devices, we got to stop the satellite uplink. How are we going to do that? <laughs> of course. Well, we did meet these three <laughs> lunatics arbitrarily who are putting rockets on cars. And the next thing you know, the car is like strapped to the top of a plane and they're flying them into orbit. Right? Yeah. And and Vin hits you with the Vin hits you with the. I know some guys who, like and it's yeah. like, I'm st- don't worry, I'm connected to everyone that's ever appeared in this franchise in any right. way. I know some guys, but also I'm going to send you two strangers to go meet them because that gives you something to do. Like that gives you your own fucking thing in the movie. Yeah. And Um, then they add the third guy to that crew who I love. He's also from the movie, uh, from the TV show Warrior. He plays like young June on it. I can't remember the actor's name. This is what I found out. So he he is in Tokyo Drift in a fairly small role. Oh, shit. I, three and four, I got to rewatch. That's yeah, yeah. awesome. No, and I, I didn't remember him being in it either. And obviously, it feels weird to elevate him to the same level as like uh, Lucas Black and Bauer, who are like the two leads of that movie. He was the actor, because he's in Better Luck Tomorrow as well, that Lynn wrote Twinkie for. The Bow Wow character. Sung King said this in an interview. The reason the character's name is Twinkie is because that Yellow is... on the outside, white on the inside. The old right. stereotype. Yeah, right. Thing. The yeah. old schoolyard like taunt. 
Uh, so Twinkie was written for him. And the studio didn't want another Asian cast member and they wanted another bigger name. So they put Bow Wow in there. He gave him the smaller part as a sort of consolation. But it's like such it shows fucking like Lin's integrity as a dude where it's like, guess what? 15 years later, I'm bringing you back. It's so fun that and he I'm plays elevating such a... you to this level and I'm giving yeah. you like a fucking thing to do. You know, if, if, if you're if you. If you're imagining a world where Fast and the Furious is going the way that everything is going and that on the universal streaming yeah. app, there's a Fast and the Furious button that you click on, you right. can watch the movie of the lone, like the TV series right. of those three guys just doing MacGyver shit, doing A-team shit. Right. And, and it's like, a great guy fucking went from movie. Being like the dude in that movie who likes, you know, like equipment a little to now being like this mad tech genius, which is yeah, like such a fun character. But um, and it gets yeah. our character. It gets two of our characters to outer space. It gets Tej and Roman, who've now been, as you've already said, yeah, banging on the fucking uh, two man imp- uh, two man's yeah. comedy. Right. Uh, the exact of- two characters you want to see go into space. The yeah, exact the fu- two funniest people to be but placed also in that situation. Two people that in this movie have been setting up diametrically opposed yeah. POVs yeah. of. So quietly, you're not even giving the movie credit for doing that. It's yeah, like, until he goes, it's all numbers, work. and then right. fucking Roman says the word faith. You're right. like, oh my god! Th- right. And 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 so, this suddenly is- the the Am I Invincible runner, which maybe felt like it was just kind of like a joke strung along for a couple of scenes that was working well. Yeah, faith yeah. versus numbers thing, which felt like maybe just like you know, a uh, uh, juice for banter between them. Yeah. All coalesces in this one moment that kind of becomes like this movie franchise yelling it's the the reason for its own existence. It's the Rosetta Stone to the fast of, friend. Of like it's like it. yeah. And it, it le- truly both times I've seen it, it has it has brought me to the brink of tears. I, I you know and like Obviously, we were texting about this when you rewatched Seven the other day that you were just like fucking sobbing. Cannot make it through that without sobbing. Like that is a, a the last 15, 10 minutes of that movie are designed to make you break. It's in memoriam for right. the lead of the movies. Yeah, right. Like this is not designed in that same way. But I think if you care about this franchise as much as you and I do, it is actually emotional to hear this moment where the movie kind of slows down and goes like this kind of matters. And especially when you're sitting there in a theater after a fucking year and a half, you know? After a year and and a half of the life, and then after two hours of fucking cartoon stunts to have two characters in space. With friends and strangers cheering, having this beautiful communal experience, and to have two people go like, I know this is stupid, but this matters. It really, really gets to me. And his whole sort of speech of just like, the movie's been operating at such a crazy, like, volume, right? And even when they cut back to the space stuff, as we say, they cut back to sort of quiet, but it's comedy. They're playing comedy. The floating yeah. snack wrappers, their banter, they're freaking out. And then on the ground, shit's just going insane, right? Ellie's firing a fucking, like, gadolin gun. Yeah. They're trying to flip <laughs> over the trucks. All the magnets are flipping everything over. Everything's going ballistic. And then you just have this moment where... It's almost like the two halves of the movie are also combining because, as we've said, the young Dom stuff is in such a different emotional pitch, right, than all the present day stuff, which is pitched uh, much higher energy, right, and much more kind of absurd. And then Roman kind of pulls down to like a baby boy level of performance, right, like his early singleton young man stuff where he just has suddenly this like clarity and this serenity, a presence of mind and just goes, 
you know what? You're probably right. And I get goosebumps from the moment that turn happens and the music gets like very kind of like quiet and serene. They cut back to the action on the ground, silent, MOS. So you're seeing all this absurd destruction and whatever, like underscored with like just like quiet strings, right? And this guy reckoning with his own mortality and just being like, this probably means nothing. Like, this is probably totally ridiculous. It, 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 there's no reason we're still alive. It is just dumb luck. And and this is goes back to what we're, uh, thesis statement of maybe all of our conversations. Yeah. The power of, this is how much of Vin's imprint, the Vin print, if you will, is yeah, on. Yes, I will, I will. I, <laughs> I know you will. will. Yeah. The Vin print on this, is on this movie so hard that it's, Big emotional moment, the connection of like, yeah, takes place in a Pontiac in outer space between yeah. a former rapper and a former model. Right. And it feels so much like Vin that it's a huge, silly idea, yeah. and a huge emotional idea. And he just smashes them together. Right. And it's like, these guys can pull it off because you've been riding with them for nine movies. And mind you, he's not giving that moment to himself, he is letting, yes. Tyrese and Ludacris play the heart of that moment. And even when you're cutting back to the ground, there are eight different people kicking ass at that moment. Jacob right. is on their side. Ellie's got the gun. Fucking like Hans kicking people left and right. Like everyone's scoring at this point. It's all of it. You're cutting back. You're connecting all these characters. And this final moment of clarity that Roman comes to is like, if this is all silly bullshit, right? Like if these movies are goofball bananas... But it's gotten us this far, then shouldn't we go all the fucking way? I, like, sh shouldn't I, we not bail out? Shouldn't we care about this? Shouldn't we invest this emotion into it? And shouldn't we drive this fucking car into a satellite? Well, it almost feels like the audience is supposed to go, you're right, space you're right. isn't stupid. Do it, guys. Like right. this, yeah, And you're like, and you do get caught up in and the I, energy of it. Yeah. I, I think I would have gotten excited by that in April of 2020 that uh, in an alternate reality where a pandemic did not uh, ravish the globe, right? Right, right. But watching it now, it hits different. Oh. It it really, it really does, you know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah. it. So before, that was one of the, the only other thing that's left on the table is mm -hmm. the moment that broke me. I cried not at the, like I got choked up at the part we're talking about yeah. here and I'm looking yeah. forward to a rewatch, but yeah. I actually started crying in the fucking Letty rescuing uh, Dom moment. Now, oh, yeah. I want to just talk about this sequence a little bit because this is peak Vin Dom. Yes. He yeah. gets to sack, like they're all go, go, and I'll seal you in. And like he right. cranks the thing shut and he's like, run, I'll protect you. We get an amazing overhead as, as a big, I love fight choreography, which these movies yeah. also, we never even discuss when you talk about these movies because you're like, the car stunt, the space. No, but the hand-to-hand -hand hand -hand choreography all looks stuff. great. It's not choppy. They hold and, in and wide. they always bring in like UFC fighters and shit, like people who really know how to fight, you know? That's the magic. They always yeah. have like, like, Six is a great example. They bring in the dude from uh, who's like a legendary martial artist. They bring in uh, Gina Carano, right. and they Scott, bring in a giant Scott freak. Atkins in Six. Yeah. Oh, is Scott Atkins is in Six. Uh, Am I wrong about that? Am I misremembering that? Tony Jaa is on the uh, train that they heist running through the jungle. The bus that they heist run through the jungle. Tony Jaa. Wrong. Scott Atkins is not in Six. How the fuck has this not happened yet? He better be in Nine. He will be. Or Ten. Ten. I'm sorry. <laughs> he will be. Yes. He better uh, be. 
So hand to hand's always great, but they they also choreograph Vin's hand to hand, Dom's yes. hand to hand so yeah. well that he's never fast or slick. So no. this has, features an overhead shot of a group yeah. of fully geared up fucking SWAT guys, yeah. and Vin sort of one like a one man scrum. Just yeah. holding them all back. And that's the most Vin fucking thing you can imagine. Well, I until, would argue. I would argue. Until yes, one thank you, minute. Thank you. Exactly. Until, yes, yes, and you're yes. like, holy shit. Vin is literally holding back the wave of violence so his family can escape. Grabbing but, two chains. Grabbing two chains that are attached to the structure yeah. of this yeah. thing. And this is then he out Vins himself and he's like. Right. Goes to superhuman strength level, and his you love it. His wife is pounding at the glass, screaming. And what's the thing he says to her when he like turns that fucking wheel and seals himself in? <laughs> what does he say? He says like, I, "I'm gonna misquote here, but he says something like, make sure you tell him every day.'" Yes, yes, right. It like is. his final message is, "Make sure my son knows how much I love him," because the final family. thing is like family. Yeah. And he fucking pulls, and then we get our full like uh, right. graduate transition into life flashing before the sky his eyes. Fall, he falls yeah. into the water, right? Yeah. And then you're sort of yeah, it's so goddamn but good. Letty pulls him out. Yeah, Let, we show Letty swim yes. down and grab him as he comes yeah. to with no way to live, and right. and you're like he came back to life because he felt Letty's presence. Yeah. Letty is there. She's like, I don't. We don't leave anyone behind. Yeah. and you're just I fucking pop i'm yeah. uh, like I'm, yeah. I'm just stoned enough i'm just happy enough to be back at the movies yeah and i just pop and i turn on my, i turn to my wife and i'm like holy shit it got me and she goes are you crying i was like yeah, yeah. and then i like looked away and yeah. i went heavier i went like movie cry. i went like <gasps> like the second i looked away from her yeah. it just hit me like a whole nother wave but that fucking sequence is so vin where it's yes. like the heroic oh, yeah. moment he gets is nearly is the sacrifice to save his family by yeah. in like in a king kong hercules you know like yes. it was beauty yes. that killed the beast after all right. kind sacrifice. of sacrifice yeah but it is i just i find that as as goofy and as broad as it is and and you know it's easy to mock just centering a franchise this big setting constantly as your barometer, like the thing that everything needs to be working around of just like the power of chosen family. Yeah. It, it's it's once again, a thing that is hitting twice as hard for me now. You know, I know a lot of people like quarantined with their family, went home, saw them, whatever. Like I did not see most of my family for the better part of a year, right? I, I truly think I didn't see my father for 15 months my sister for 15 months i still i, saw, I still haven't seen my mom or brothers in yeah. person since december 2019 yeah yeah i mean just like so i'm right. coming up on like two like one yeah. and a half full years of not seeing my family and living this la and uh, not to jump on here but like living this last year on the west coast my entire family and my uh, my wife's entire family lives on the east coast yeah our friends were our family for like the last well, year and a half that's what i was gonna that's what i was gonna say so it's like whether or not you saw your family during this, it's like, that's your family. Those are the people you have, right? Like when, when push comes to shove in a crisis moment, you go back to them, you work out whatever you have with them or try or whatever. But it's like, you don't, you don't choose your family, right? And the Fast and Furious movies are so much about like people you choose and the promises you make to them. And those are the people that I think both in a, a year like we just lived through, 
you rely on more than ever, you value more than ever, and you miss more than ever. You know, I've spent so much time in the last year thinking about people that I like want to be better friends to. And even just in a very bare minimum sense of like, I should check in on them more often. I should just tell them how much I value them more often. I've become such a cornball of just like flat out just telling everyone I love them because I've just gotten to this zone where I'm just like, I don't know, just kind of felt like we were all going to die. Like if you love somebody, tell them you love them. Like don't have any fucking shame about that. I end casual conversations that way now, you know? Yeah, I'm fucking here for it, man. I feel fucking grateful for everyone in my life that I like. You know, and when you spend a year going like, who do I know that's going to die and who can I no longer see now on the other side of the country? You know, it, it really makes you value that shit and care about it. And it's like that's that's what these movies are about at the end of the day. It's it fucking it. It was just such the timing of it, the oh, my emotional yeah. time, everything about it just hit so well that it fucking and it was. The movie was long. The movie did showcase way too many, uh, but not too many, so yeah. many fucking set pieces. It was yeah. a lot of things, but this movie was so many things to me. And oh, yeah. it just fucking, I'm so, and honestly, I've enjoyed talking to you and hearing you talk about how much you liked it. Like 85% as much as I enjoyed sitting in the theater and watching it. Like, I mean, But I felt the same way talking about it with other people. Like, it's so nice to have this kind of like, communal thing again even if um even the people i didn't get to see the movie in theaters with right and have been like texting about it with since or doing podcasts with or whatever um it does feel different than i feel like so much of the last year where it felt like uh so much of the shit that found itself at the center of the discourse was kind of because we were all gawking at it or dunking on it. Right, right. There wasn't kind of a communal thing that just sort of felt joyous like this, you know? Right. This was sort of like, weirdly enough, like a post-war Olympics. Right. It was right. sort of like, uh, you know, the Toretto fam brought us all together. Right. Like, like this a- is like a Shirley Temple movie, like coming out of like the Great Recession, you exactly, know? Exactly. Exactly. It's like, look, that's let's put it behind us. The future is bright, features a ton of cars, buff right. men, some cleavage, and we're ready to fucking run. Right. The it's sexuality like so nice of these to- movies always oh. makes me laugh, where it's just like, yeah. it's like uh, PG-13 music video sexuality, where it's like, let's just yeah. show butts once or twice so we know that yeah. like it's a movie f- for men, but yeah. otherwise there's no other, like nothing no. else like that. <laughs> no, no, it, it really has become now just the one token. At some point, the car drives up to some sort of party where there are a lot of muscle cars parked outside and women in bikinis dancing on top of the cars. Yep, it's just gotta happen once per movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, just like yeah. pump, pump yeah. some fucking like <laughs> some South American adjacent music yes. of just like uh, the the fucking steel drum beat. Yeah, they fuck. I'm so hyped right now, Griffin. Thank you so much for oh, fucking coming on high and mighty. I mean, it, it, it look. I, I, it truly has become a thing I look forward to as much as I look forward to the next Fast and Furious movie is us being able to do this powwow. And I just like, it, 
enrich. It's like reading. It's like my version of director's commentary. It just makes me. You're you're so informed and so smart and have such interesting. No, but you're bringing <laughs> angles in too that I'm not thinking about. No, uh, totally. And yeah, it's just like yeah. getting to fucking Comparing unpack it together. Notes. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yes. Like and, getting and to chop it up. And the joy of the thing. Yeah, yeah, and it's like you you pointed out a few things that made me like feel like such a richer enjoyment level of the movie, and I'm like, fuck, man. And then also, this movie brought us together. I mean, yeah. we've talked. Yeah. We've talked for a few hours this month exclusively about Fast 2 yeah. and uh, about uh, Fast 9, which but is I, like, I this movie is like, yeah, we, yes, yes. it's like be, brought us together to connect across the fucking country in a post-pandemic world. Like, that's like. But, but not only that, I, I don't think you'll disagree with me saying this. I do feel like doing our first high and mighty the franchise up until seven episode is the thing that finally made us friends. Like we were guys who knew each other and had done some shit together and liked each other. Right. And I felt like that was the threshold where it's like, Oh, we, we could just be like friends. Yeah. Well, we talked even about at the time you were like, this is weird that you're in my house. Like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know you that well. And a lot you're of one of a handful people. of people who've been in my new uh, L.A. apartment and my mom's house. But that, like, that for <laughs> it's a like you while, and Justin Tyler are the only two, right? maybe. <laughs> but that felt like a weird arbitrary fact where you're like, Tyler, that status makes sense. Griffin Newman, that's kind of strange. Like I yeah. taught him at like level two. And then like four <laughs> years later, he did a web series. I ran to my audition once in between. The, yeah. Like, you know, it was like such a scattered thing but i felt like from the time that we've done that episode we have only gotten closer and closer every year yeah and it's because yeah. i think we both like obviously anyone who listens to either of our podcasts knows we have like a, a, an immense love for movies and right. arguably from sort of two different worlds of loving yeah. them like and you know and coming together on that and it's like oh I'm going to get corny now, but this is like the fucking magic of movies is that it's yeah. like Griffin and I are friends because these cool movies exist. And, and, and that is what's called kind of non-toxic like, fandom. Yes. <laughs> yes. And we have like a friend language, you know, like, yes, I feel like there are movie conversations I can have with you. I can't have with other people, you know? Well, yeah. Well, we have a backlog of like, we understand. I yes. understand so much what you get out of these Fast and the Furious movies and right. the, it's a vice versa. It's a two-way street there. And now yeah. we know how to communicate what to get out of other movies right. via this because we're so... And, and you and I will send each other jokes of like, you know what type of character I would like to play in a movie? And I feel like you're the one person I know who gets that and vice versa. <laughs> yeah. Totally. You know, your totally. joke about the like Gandolfini guy who's gone undercover for too long is a little too comfortable thing. I'm like, I know exactly what you're talking about. Here are my five character types yeah, I want to exactly, play in that exactly. type of movie. Wait, I, you know. and if if we have to wait a long time for Fast 10, I think we just came up with a fun High and Mighty episode. Let's oh, come up totally. with characters for each other and ourselves like of archetypes in different movies. But That's a fun jo episode. Johnny G, I got good news for you. Do you know when Fast 10 begins production? No, I do not. January 2022. Oh and it is God. production <laughs> on what they are calling Fast 10 Part 1 and Part 2. They're doing the next two. They're doing the Avengers? They're split. doing the two-part finale. So they will film all of next year. I believe that means we're only two years away. A like, benefit of the pandemic is that they were able to do all the script development work. They're actively in pre-production now. They will begin filming in January. And then we'll it's safe to it's safe to assume potentially that 2023 and 2024 are when we get 10 and 10. That that and seems F. to be what Vin is communicating. Summer 2022 and summer 2023. Correct. I believe it. Correct. Yeah. 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 Ooh, that's a tight turnaround. Maybe. Yeah. Uh,
But I, I, if anyone can do it, it's this crew. Yeah, look, Just look, don't let them get their cars. Never, <laughs> ever let them get behind the wheel of a car. Um, Look, we've done two hours. I feel like the episode has hit a good emotional end. I don't want to belabor this, but just a thing I want to leave out there, okay? And we will resume this thread the next time we talk on or off mic. What does that mean for the titling possibilities if Vin is no longer thinking of it as Fast 10 and Fast 11, but thinking of it as Fast 10 1 and Fast 10 Part 2? Yeah, you mean like where 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 are we going to get colons? Where are we going to get subheadings? What's going to what happen? You call them. Is there a number involved in that? Is are you literally going to call it ten one and ten two? Are you going to call the movie ten A ten B? Are you going to call it Fast Ten Furious Ten? Ooh, are you not, not going to put numbers in there anyway? That's what I think would. Be and then cool. you put that's it on a Blu-ray. You put a four-hour version on Blu-ray, yes. and it's yeah. called Fast and Furious Ten. Right. Like they did that with the X Men comics recently. I don't know with if the House of X and the Sword of uh, like, Powers of Ten. Right. I'm just 10, like yeah. that's what where there were two different series, but they're in dialogue with each other. That's what I want. I want Fast Ten, Furious Ten, Hypercut. Yes, yes, and they smash them together. <laughs> right. Uh, Griffin, where can people find you? I mean, if they're listening to this podcast, they know you host Blank Check, a yeah, wonderful just, movie podcast that I've been a guest on now three times. Uh, I've been a listener of for five years and have have the most sporadic to do list based on (laughs) the most my my letterboxed to watch because of blank check is like so insane. It's like nine Miyazaki movies and like three uh, movies from uh, one Michael Mann because I also only want to do rewatches too if it's something I haven't seen in a long time and. And also movies that I think might eventually be Action Boys movies. I can't sure. listen to until we do right. them either. And now I'm like, my the, what I have left is crazy. I've been on a demi kick because of you guys. You guys, that's the like, thing. You'll you'll mostly like you don't cherry pick, but you'll you'll do a mini series in your own time and your own order. Yes, so suddenly yes. I'll just get texts from you, and I'm like. Oh, he's like in the demi zone 18 months later. <laughs> yeah, I randomly watch Philadelphia and then I'm like, fuck, I got to yeah, watch like three more demi movies now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, no, listen to Blank Check, uh, Blank Check special features on Patreon. Uh, oh, oh, this is a relevant plug. I think I'm going to I think I'm going to spoil this here. It's early, but I think this is the right place to spoil this. Blank Check special features are Patreon. We do commentaries on franchises instead of our main feed where it's sort of like more director-based, right? Um, the next franchise we're doing, which I believe will start the end of July. I might be wrong on my timing here. We're finishing up Twilight right now. Hell yeah. Uh, maybe it's beginning of August. The next franchise we're doing is Riddick. Holy shit. Holy the shit, the Chronicles, yeah, baby. We're doing the Chronicles. So <laughs> so uh, sign up for that if you like hearing me talk about uh, Vin Diesel. And you do. And if you don't yeah. know if you do, trust me, you do. I don't want to hear anyone besides Vin or Griffin sure. talk about Vin forever. <laughs> uh, and and uh, July, I hope I'm getting the date right here, July 23rd, I believe it is, Friday, July 23rd, Masters of the Universe Revelation, the new animated series in which I play fucking Orko, one of my all-time favorite characters in all of pop culture. Uh, truly That's have never so campaigned for a job awesome. harder. Um, but I think that show is going to uh, rip ass. I think it's yeah. really fucking good. Yeah. I've, se- I've seen the uh, trailers, seen some of the art. I think yeah. they're, they know, it's like homage and interesting new take on the look and... Yeah. Can I or- say this too? Just selling this, like connecting to all this Fast and Furious talk. 
because I just really wanted to play this part because I love Orko and I feel like he's a character that some people hate and he's been done dirty in the past. I want yeah. to be like, I want someone to come to the table and really, really invest in making Orko mad. Justice right? for Orko. I didn't know how good a, an arc they were going to write for Orko. It's fucking incredible, the shit they wrote. Uh, it's, it's, it is, I truly think people are going to get uh, more emotionally affected by Orko than they ever thought possible. And he's That's got like a so awesome. real fucking kind of incredible hero arc. But um, I didn't know any of this when I was like uh, campaigning for the part, trying really, really, really fucking hard to get it. Didn't read the scripts until after the fact. It was a little weird because it was like, oh, they're making this show. It's Kevin Smith. It's a little more adult oriented. It's like anime. They want to make it more like action based and all this sort of shit. And I was like, but He-Man is inherently goofy. Like Masters of the Universe, I love, but is inherently the goofiest shit in the world. And that's why it's great. Like it's just ad executives putting everything that a little boy likes in one pot, right? <laughs> yeah. And I think the trailer, which is great and is representative of the visual look of the show and I think the emotional stakes of the show and the action and all that sort of shit. But I want to reassure people, the show is so fucking goofy in all the right ways. I think it has that good, fast and furious balance of just like, which things are we going to take as serious as a heart attack and which things do we have to own are rooted in the corniness of this thing. That's that's um, the fucking world I want to live in. I yeah, think that's I think like it's the, really emotional. It's really funny. It's a uh, badass. I think it's gonna be really really good. So first oh, five heck. episodes drop July twenty third. Heck fucking yeah! Check that out. Yeah. Check out blank check. Check out the fucking Patreon. I'm uh, at Gabrus on all social media. If you like movie podcasts, I have a movie podcast called Action Boys. It's paid, but also uh, we have a few free episodes up. So just pull up wherever you're listening to this to and download that and sign up for Blank Check. Just subscribe. You'll get around yeah, to listening, just, but just subscribe now. Put put right. give them the fucking numbers. Put the numbers on the board. Right. Just treat it like it's like a package deal. Yeah. You have to make two separate <laughs> transactions, but act like it's not. Yeah. It's Patreon. It's one bill at the end of the month. Yeah, it's huh, it's what's ten got ten dollars a month, sixteen dollars a month. Treat yourself. Right. <laughs> Tell yourself that you're paying for one feed that costs twice as much and features yeah, two different and, shows. And it features just very long conversations about two different types of movies from two yes. different types of commentators. Um, bye, shitheads. That was a headgum podcast. In a part of the world where there are no rules. Holy shit. Holy shit, guys. Holy I'm so pumped. I definitely have not watched this since I rented it on VHS in 92. Strangers united by the threat of death. We got all the fucking major players. Seagal. Vladimir Putin is a good man. Arnold. Here, come. Give it to me. I need you to cream pie me now. Stallone. People are loving this movie. <laughs> it's got a lot of heart. You're mentally irregular. <laughs> now... Somewhere, somehow, someone's gonna pay. I would fucking love for my wife to, like, see me rip a guy's throat out. But they didn't count on one thing. This movie's fucking insane. It's how you know it's a good movie. You have to do almost all the work yourself to figure it out. Well, there's a fantasy component. Yeah. There's some yeah. sword fighting. There's some lightning. Bam, 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 bam. There's a new game in town. You wake up after a few years, and then you don't even know who you are anymore. We're going to be making Terminators. <laughs> We're going to make a really great deal with the Xenomorphs. What? I don't hate them, but I've been in a room. Yes, I understand. This is now the 20th ending of the movie. I am dark. I'm your dad. <laughs> Action, boys. Boys will be boys. 
Subscribe here for bonus content and more free stuff from behind the paywall. To get new episodes, become a patron at actionboys.biz. Do it. Do it. Come on. Do it now.